Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 291 of The Big Show. Some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Wild Wednesday here. Almost there, folks. Hump day. Couple more days till the weekend. Here we go. Has, have you guys been voting? Sixth annual minor league mayhem tournament is in full swing. We're in the as we're recording. I'm recording this Tuesday night, and we are in the uh, final eight tilts of round one. And uh, voting has been fast and furious. Uh, I've been happy with the. Co- I mean, above all, I've been happy with the comments. I mean, everybody's been respectful, and uh, you know, actually, most people just say who they voted for. But you know, the guys that have been talking, it's it's been all cool. So that that's that's the uh, the positive takeaway. Hasn't been too many clowns. I mean, now and again, there's a couple that are in the comments. I like the one guy who told me, "I for, you forgot bro, Probert and Coaster, bro. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I sure did. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but uh, other than that, I mean, for the most part, it's been good. I mean, you get your where's so-and-so whiners, but that's typical of all the tournaments. But uh, no, it, it's been fun, and I, I'm glad everybody's, I hope everyone's participating. And uh, yeah, it's been fun. Um other than that, um, yeah, I'm not going to say too much today. Actually, I have a, I have a really cool guest. I recorded the other day, um, uh, last Saturday or this past Saturday, uh, with Ron. Uh, you know, I've, I've known Ron for a long time. We we're in the tape trading hobby together and, uh, on the old message boards or you're going to get a couple old guys, uh, ranting about VHS and beta and everything else. Um, this episode is a real kind of look. This is a real fight nerd episode. I'll tell you that. And we really talk about collections and videotapes and before YouTube and newsletters. And uh, for for those that remember the old fried chicken message board and stuff, this will take you back. This this uh, conversation um, and and the old ads in the in the hockey news selling fight tapes and all that stuff. Yeah, Ron and I talk about all that stuff. We talk about the old pioneers of the tape uh, selling and making industry. And um, I'm, I'm sure for maybe some of you newer listeners, it'll be going over your heads. But um, it really is a look at collecting and everything and how we had to do it back then before YouTube and everything else. I mean, uh, it's quite remarkable, actually. Um, and just the the avenues you had to go down to to make a trade or to get in touch with people and to make trades and that type of thing. And, uh, and uh, like I said, I, I mean, you know, Maybe for new age folks that didn't trade and whatever else and all that stuff. It's not, uh, you know, it might be a little dry, but, um, I think for us, for us older folks, uh, which is probably most of my demographic that listen to this show anyway, um, I think it'll take you back to, uh, to, uh, to the, to the good old days. But I had lots of fun with it and, 
and I hope you guys do too. Um, but and Ron and I talked for a long time, so I'm not gonna. Uh, like I said, I'm not gonna yap too long today. Uh, the only thing I'm gonna tell you is um, there's over 50 shows in the Hockey Podcast Network. All the NHL teams have a podcast, so whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Terry Ryan's also on the network. Uh, for my off-network friends, of course, I got Jolt and Joe Lazito. Bouncer, oh, he's down in Florida. Yeah, he's probably checking out the retirement homes there. Uh, Del Boca Vista, Phase Three. Um, I heard he wore. I heard he went barefoot in the clubhouse, though. You know, he was going to run for condo board president, I think. But uh, yeah, he got. He was vote. He what, what was it? Seinfeld. He, when Kramer was oh, he's running against the guy guy in a wheelchair in Common Sense. So uh, yeah, Joe got beat out by the guy in the wheelchair, I think. Uh, but he was down there talking to the Orlando Solar Bears. I uh, encourage you to go back to go and listen to Joe's show, The Coliseum Chronicles. Well, he has two podcasts. That's how busy Joe is. Not only is he bouncing around Florida, he's got two shows too. Um, Coliseum Chronicles is a New York Islanders podcast. And then he's also, his newest venture is the Nordiques Knuckles podcast, which is obviously Quebec Nordiques uh, centered. And, uh, but Matt Karkner is the, uh, is in charge down there in Orlando, of course, former Islander. He was on Joe's show. He did an excellent interview on Joe's show. Um, but uh, he had Joe come in and talk to the guys about, you know, Joe's life experience and what he's gone through. And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, so that sounded like a really, uh, really cool deal. And uh, uh, that was cool that uh, Kartner would do that. And, uh, and I hopefully, and it sounds like the players really got a lot out of it. And I know it was really exciting for Joe to get it down there and and uh, and and to do some public speaking and some motivational speaking or you know however you want to phrase it and uh, which was cool and uh, and I know Joe will do a great job with that. Um, yeah, I'm gonna get Joe on the show here. We're gonna we'll, we'll here uh, coming soon. I'm, we'll have to I'll have to talk to him about a schedule. We'll work something out and uh, yeah, I'd like to get Joe back on the show just to. Just to rant and rave like uh, us old timers do, but uh, I'm not going to rant and rave today. I'm going to keep it short and we'll keep it moving. Let's get on and talk with Ron. Um, yeah, so like I said, guys, hit up the uh, Fourth Line Voice on Facebook uh, and and vote. Every day is uh, is a new set of uh, of fights, and uh, get out and have your voice heard. And uh, other than that, um, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. I've over, although my, I have to, I have to, I'll be completely honest. Uh, I have, my YouTube channel has been kind of dormant. I really haven't done a lot with it, uh, in the last few months. Uh, nonetheless, it does have 2,500 videos on it. So I'm pretty sure those out there probably have not watched everything that's on there. So definitely go and check that out. And, uh, other than that, let's get into it. Here's my conversation with, uh, with Ron about, uh, Tape trading and uh, and a whole bunch of stuff. Old, it's a it's a look at uh, in, in the beginning of the hockey fight, uh, how it all came to be. Well, like I just said, when you go and check out my YouTube channel, um, when you're bouncing around YouTube and watching all these hockey fight clips, just think for a second. I wonder where these came from. Yes, somebody actually had to sit down way back when and uh, hit record on a VCR. And, uh, and if it wasn't for those guys, there'd be nothing on YouTube. So, uh, it's interesting how the, how it's gone. So, uh, keep that in mind next time you're on YouTube, but, uh, all right, folks, let's get into it. Here's my conversation with Ron. I hope you enjoy it. I'll be back on Sunday to talk with you. All right, guys. Thanks.
All right, here on the Fourth Line Voice, I have a special guest today here on episode 291. It is none other than uh, fellow fight fan, my friend Ron. Ron, how are you doing tonight? Doing good, Darren. Thank you for having me on. Oh, hey, I appreciate you uh, coming on. You're uh, uh, an old-time uh, fight fan, old-time fight tape collector, and uh, we're going to be talking VHS and uh, uh, maybe even some, uh, what is it, uh, some 8mm, maybe even some beta We'll talk about it all today here, folks. We're gonna we're gonna go back in time to a simpler time, and uh, Ron's gonna take the journey with us here and lead us through it. Uh, before we get going, I know you told me, and I've completely drawn a blank for because I have a there's some folks from the old fried chicken, the old FC days that are tuning in. What what was your the username on fried chicken? It used to be uh, TGR32, which was a I'm not the most creative person when it came to making a username, so it, it's kind of a uh, a uh, tip of the cap to Stu Grimson. It, uh, the TGR stands for the Grim Reaper. Uh, Stu's, Stu's number uh, when he gets to Anaheim 32. So uh, the Grim Reaper 32. That's what I selected because I'm kind of create creativity challenge. So uh, I was t- uh, TGR 32 back on the old FC site. That's it. I, I don't know if you if you had given me 25 guesses if I would have got that. That's what that stood for. The Gr- I mean, I'd like to think the 32 might have been a giveaway, but maybe not. But so like well, so. No, the, no, go for ahead. some reason the guys for some reason the guys on FC used to you know the guys uh, used to bust my uh, bust my chops and they they would go oh yeah okay they thought it stood for Tiger for some reason but uh, no it was uh, it was the Grim Reaper for Stu Grimson. Well, and saying that before we obviously get into this whole VHS and all that, well, we'll talk about lots of stuff today. But in picking Grimson, so is he is he like your favorite enforcer or something? Like what made you go with Stu? Uh, I don't know. Uh, oh. You know, I, I, he's 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 one of them. I have, I have many of them. Uh, and of course, Probert, a lot of the Boston guys. I grew up here in Massachusetts, watched a lot of the Boston guys. So, uh, you know, going back to uh, the Don Cherry days with O'Reilly, Winsick, Jonathan, and Secord, uh, Jay Miller, Brian Curran, Lyndon Byers, and going through uh, through there. And then, uh, yeah, he, he's uh, Stu Grimson. I was, I was a fan of his too. There you go. There you go. Uh, so I bet. So you've obviously spent some time in the old Boston Garden. Oh yeah, yep. Uh, uh, made the misfortune of one game getting obstructed seats, but uh, those days are over as far as obstructed view. But uh, yeah, a uh, very unique place. Uh, there was uh, there was that old brawl that's on video with uh, a bench clear between Quebec and Boston, and the uh, it was an out of town announcer who made the observation that the Boston fans cheer uh, louder for. Lotter for the fights than they do for the goals, and that was a pretty accurate uh, assessment on his part. Well, there, there we go. Um, well, I mean, like, like everything, we'll, we'll, we'll obviously start at the beginning here. I was when I have players on and stuff, we timeline their career, that type of thing. But like you said, you're born in the Massachusetts area in Boston, and uh, what, what, uh, when did you kind of start? Uh, not so much getting into hockey, I guess, because well, but how did you get into? I mean. The fight game. How? What? When did you start uh, taking notice of the fighters and start kind of following th- that uh, that type of uh, enforcement in the in the NHL? Well, back in the seventies. Back in the seventies, when I really, uh, you know, my dad used to watch the Bruins, and he, you know, when I was really younger, he'd have, you know, the Bobby Orr times. Yeah. And then as time shifted, when I started to become, you know, really started to get into watching the Bruins. Uh, it was the Don Cherry days, and uh, that team was, you know, loaded with uh, physical players. Terry O'Reilly, Winsink, Jonathan, and Secord came up as far as the, the heavyweights. But the games in the old garden, the small rink surface, uh, you know, great games, 
small ring surface, uh, you know, a lot of hits, a lot of taking the body, uh, you know, good hockey back then. So we'd watch the hockey, and then, then uh, you know, the next day we'd be playing, you know, football, the street hockey, whatever it was, and we'd talk about the game the night before, and what always came up were the fights. We'd always talk about the fights. So there was always a fascination, at least the kids that I grew up with, with the, with the fights and the fighters. And uh, that carried through, uh, you know, in, into high school. And, uh, you know, so, so we all, always were interested in the fights. I always followed the, followed the players. And then, you know, you'd pick up hockey magazines like the old goal magazine or, or books and stuff. And the other team I was kind of fascinated with were the Flyers because they were known to have a tough team. So I kind of enjoyed that hockey. Uh, I don't know if it was influenced by the old Bruins and the way they played. But uh, that's that, that's the part of hockey I enjoyed was the was the physicality, not just the fights, but the way the game was played back then, taking the body, the hitting, and and uh, the good combination of everything that the NHL was back then. Yeah. Now, well, to go back to, um, I always find this interesting too, because, uh, well, and that's the thing. Well, and for those that obviously you don't know, but Ron and I talked like yesterday on the phone. We were kind of just outlining what we we're going to talk about and just uh, you know just general BS. But it was. Uh, uh, we, we were basically talking about how the, this generation of fans, these younger fans, um, of course, they grew up with the internet and satellite and Hulu and anything you want from any league that you want is internet TV and you can get it and you can watch it. Of course, when Ron and I were growing up and stuff, it was very primitive unless you had the massive satellite dish or whatever, which I didn't have. Um, in terms of when you were growing up and you were kind of getting into the fights, you know, early or, you know, grade seven, eight high school, that type of thing. What was kind of the TV setup where you had? Did you just have the Boston games and that was it? Or what did well, you get to see? So so early on, and, and that's a funny thing because, uh, you know, I'm old enough to remember rabbit ears. Rabbit ears were was yep. something that went on top of you. This is pre-cable. something that went on top of your TV, and you'd have to move to get uh, semi-good uh, reception of, of a certain station. And you'd, you'd have the... You know, you'd have the three major networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, and then up here in Boston, we'd have Channel 56 or in the Boston area. I'm not in Boston, uh, but uh, and Channel 38. And 38 carried the Bruins games back then. So early on, uh, we'd, we'd get to watch the Bruins on TV 38. Then eventually in 1984, uh, the Bruins moved to uh, – oh, eventually we got cable. So, so uh, in the late 70s, we got cable uh, where I grew up, and uh, – you know, so you get better reception, and you got a few, a few more stations. HBO. I still remember when HBO wasn't twenty four hours; it would come on at like five o'clock at night. Uh, and then, uh, nineteen eighty four, the Bruins moved to Nesson, and uh, that's where their home games were. Uh, you had to buy the uh, the Nesson subscription service. Now, in between, when we got cable, uh, and actually, I got to back up here, Dan. Pre cable. You would have the uh, ABCs to carry, uh, carry, I believe, the occasional uh, Saturday game because I remember there was a game where the Flyers uh, played the Bruins and uh, Bob Kelly fought uh, Dennis O'Brien. Remember watching that game, and occasionally you'd you'd get to watch a uh, uh, ABC game. Or there was a a year where the Canadians were playing the Rangers, and actually TV 38 was carrying the Stanley those Stanley Cup uh, playoff games because the Bruins were out of it, but they were they were still showing them, which was nice. Then cable came along, and we had access to uh, Sports Channel, Sports Channel New England, and so we get to ca- uh, get to catch some uh, some Ranger, ga- uh, not Ranger games, Hartford Whaler games, and it was also USA Network, which was pretty cool. USA Network had uh, had a couple games on during a week, couple of NHL games during the week. I remember 
watching the Chicago uh, Minnesota game live where they had that bench clear. And uh, that, that was a pretty cool game. And then uh, eventually, I think it was 84, 85, uh, the NHL contract went over to, from USA Network over to ESPN. So, yeah, that was a setup. I never had a satellite dish. But, yeah, the, the people, you know, the, the younger generation with this dish, they had no idea what those old satellite setups look, uh, used to look like, these, you know, these giant things that people would have in the backyards. And you'd drive by, first of all, you'd wish you had one. And you're like, oh, they must be rich, you know, uh, because you could, you know, those the people who had the satellite dish could pick up the telecast, uh, you know, all all across the country, so they could pick up hockey games, you know, from uh, from other, you know, other areas like MSG, uh, you know, Madison Square Garden Network, and and, uh, and and the other things that were going on around the country. No, absolutely. And oh yeah, you drive by, yeah, the satellite dish, they're about the size of a Winnebago out in the backyard. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they get, oh, and I, they come with a guy and it looked like a phone book. This is what was going to be on for the month. And it was like, I remember a friend of mine had one that was like, oh my God. But we just thought that was like, we couldn't, I remember going over there and just like get blow your minds that you could see all this stuff, right? And, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, you, got, you, had to, you had to have the sleepovers, right? Because that's when the, the dirty movies would come on at night, right? So you had to, have, you had to stay at that guy's house. Yeah, but, uh, oh, yeah, the old satellite dish in good old days. But um, I don't I, – I, I was a – none of my friends had one. I mean, we none of us had one back then. Uh, you know, if I had had one when I started recording uh, the gate, you know, the fights and stuff, that would have been great. But, no, I, I never had the, had the satellite dish. No, dear, we, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, like I always say, when, when I talk on here, I'm like, really, the only games that we, that we got were Hockey Night in Canada, and then, uh, and then, so, and then the French Channel, so you got the Montreal stuff, and Quebec every once in a while, yeah. and Nordiques, but other than that, like, I mean, I guess we probably got the Saturday, like the ABC stuff, I think, I, maybe, I don't really remember, but other than that, that was about it, so it was pretty primitive in what you saw, so it was like, that was a big thing, of course, when we started getting into the fight tapes because you'd read the box scores and you'd, you know, for me, it would be like maybe, you know, whatever the probably early 90s, I guess, or late 80s. But you'd see like, oh, you know, McSorley versus Brown in Philadelphia or something. But it's like, well, obviously, we never saw that. So to all of a sudden get a fight tape and have that on there was like, oh, this is what I read in the box score like four years ago, you know, whatever. But when yep. did when did you well, when did you start recording? And getting into the what got you into the fight tape thing, and when did you start recording? All right, so the, the I you know I'm I'm a generation behind the original tape pioneers. There were guys out there doing that. We we can get to that afterwards. But I had read pre I, I got started in eighty three eighty four, but pre that I uh, I used to get a subscription to uh, Sports Illustrated. In front, they had these little sport blurbs, and there was one uh, short thing where they they uh, wrote about somebody was selling a hockey fight tape somewhere, and uh, you know, of course, they editorially they didn't like the uh, hockey fights. Uh, I thought it was great. I was like, wow, that's a, that's pretty cool. And you know, like you know, they didn't list where you could get it. Otherwise, I'd be like, you know, searching to get a copy of it. But I thought that was a cool idea, and we were we were down. Uh, I remember talking with with my friends at, at, down at the cap in high school, and we're you know talking about it. We're like, oh, that'd be great. Can you imagine the you know the the old uh, you know there was a game me and my brother watched live, which the the Minnesota Boston game, which set the, at the time set the record for the most penalty minutes, and we watched that one live. Like, oh, imagine if you could watch that game or the Bruins going into the stands at MSG. I missed that game. So that game was uh, December 23rd. I didn't watch that game. And the whole next day, we were playing football. 
uh, I believe it was Christmas Eve, and we're playing football, and, and everybody was talking about it. Oh, did you see? And it was like all over the news. I totally missed it. And back then, there's no DVR like there yeah. is now nowadays. And and you know they're not going to re- they're not going to rebroadcast the game if you missed it like any other show back then. You missed it. Yeah. And uh, you know VCRs were. Uh, you know, weren't weren't that commonplace back then. I certainly, we certainly couldn't afford it back then. Uh, so, you know, I kind of missed that. So, eighty three, uh, the summer of uh, eighty three, I worked all summer. I saved up. I bought my own VCR. It was about two hundred bucks. It was a Philips uh, VCR. It was this big box of a machine. You hit eject, the thing came out of the top of the thing, and I bought that. My whole goal in buying that, not not to mention, that's about the time. This was the early eighties. You know, eighty eighty three, the VHS was 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 starting to get really popular, and and they were more affordable as units. Like like uh, you know, your average household could afford one of these things, tape their shows, and there was all these movies. You know, same thing with HBO. Uh, you know, there was these movies that were out. In, you could go to the local uh, mom and pops. This is before Blockbuster came in. You could go to the local mom and pops video store and order. You know, go rent out all these movies that that had been out. Slapshot. I, you know, I was too young to watch Slapshot when that was out in uh, movie theaters. My my parents never would have let me see that movie. Now I could just rent it out and watch it at home. You know, it was great. Yep. So I I saved up all summer. The the, the it cost me over two hundred dollars. I got a tape, and I I set up. Now I didn't know how these guys were doing it. There's there's a generation of guys ahead of me who were doing it, and I didn't realize what they were doing. We talked about this last night, Darren. How you know, similar experiences. And it's not just us. I've also talked with other collectors who had the same thing where you initially, we didn't know what we were doing and we'd hook the VCR up. We'd be watching a game. Sometimes they'd go back and forth between the Bruins or sports channel. And, uh, you know, with the, with the whales or ESPN, I mean, I'm sorry, USA network and try to catch the fight. And you'd sit there, watch the game waiting for an inkling of a fight. And then you'd hit the, uh, the record and play button, trying to record it. And, uh, you know, the heads of the of the VCR would start to go, and you're like, come on, come on, come on, because you, you don't want to miss the fight. And a lot of, you know, a lot of my first couple hockey fight tapes that I made myself, they were botched jobs. I still have them, uh, you know, still nostalgic, but a lot of the fights come in in, uh, in progress, which is when, you know, when, yeah. when, when it starts up. So the fight, you know, in progress is when the fight's already going, and that's when the video picks up. You don't pick up what started the fight. You don't pick up in the beginning of the fight. And uh, or there's a lot of like roughens where I thought there was going to be a fight, and uh, it turns out that the players just you know we're, we're just roughing a little a little jam or a little scrum. So I started in eighty eighty three four. I, I made my own tape. Same thing in eighty four eighty five. I did the same uh, same thing. I started in eighty five eighty six. Uh, same thing with uh, making the old tape, and then I went into the army. When I was in the army. Uh, there was a guy I was stationed with who was from Binghamton, New York, uh, Binghamton, New York, a Binghamton Ranger fan, big Kevin Deneen fan. And he got a subscription to the hockey news. So I'd borrow the hockey news and go through it. So as I'm going through the hockey news and back, they had these advertisements back there. And it was, you know, all the, uh, you know, it was all the old guy, uh, the older guys who were selling them. And, you know, it was like, you know, 60 hours of hockey fight footage. And, you know, that, you know, uh, where you, you could write these guys. I don't recall if they had their phone numbers in there or not, but you could at least write these guys. And I was like, how is that possible? Oh my, you know, I, I thought it was the greatest thing in the world that, that, uh, that was there. So I started writing, writing the guys and, and some of the guys, I won't mention their last names cause I want to respect their privacy, but there was Dan out of California. 
Mark out of, uh, Mark L out of New York, uh, you know Robert out of Canada, out of the Montreal area, up, up in Canada. Mark B out of Pittsburgh. Uh, I forget his name, but there was a gentleman uh, out of Baltimore. Uh, I got some stuff from him. There are other guys in there that I did get stuff for, but were in there. And uh, oh, I, I, I'm sure there's more. Eventually, Andy, Andy, Andy B out of uh, the Minnesota area. Uh, you know, he was in there. So you had a bunch of guys, uh, selling tapes. So I, I wrote to him, uh, and then they, they would, uh, you know, where I was stationed at, they would send me, uh, the list. Oh, oh, I forgot one more. Who's a big, who was a big one back then. Phil, Phil, uh, D, I, uh, which was a fake name. His real name was Steve, but Phil D out of New York. He was another big one that was, uh, back in the, the hockey news at the time. So these guys would send you a list. And then, you you know, I'd be paging through the list, and a lot of these old Bruin fights, you know, like the, the Minnesota game the Minnesota game with the multiple fights, that was on there. The uh, the uh, Bruins going into the stands at, at MSG, that was on there. I was like, wow, great. I, I, was, I was blown away, so I just started ordering them. And then, then there was a bunch of fights that were, uh, you know, I'd never heard of or seen, but I was, you know, and, and you kind of knew the fighters that were listed on there, Nick Fatio, Clark Gillies, uh, you know, Willie Plett. Uh, you know, and you see these matchups like, oh, wow, this guy fought this guy. Oh, great. So I just started ordering from these guys. And, uh, you know, in a couple cases, uh, I, you know, over the years, I'd, I'd start up relationships with them. But, uh, you know, talk to them over the phone and get to learn, you know, get to learn about, you know, some of the backstories behind the tapes and stuff. But back then, and, and here's the funny thing, and a lot of the old collectors can relate to can relate to this, much different nowadays. You know, nowadays, everybody has this footage uh at right, right in their hand on their cell phone. Like, like oh. anybody can go down a, anybody can go down the YouTube wormhole on any given time and just start watching hockey fights. And and you know, there's a guy I work with, and he tells me, oh yeah, I was on YouTube, and, and you know, you watch one, and then they, they they put up the list to the right of all these other fights. The next thing you know, a half hour later, you've gone you've gone through watching uh, several dozen hockey fights on there, uh, you know, and it's instantaneous. And some of these guys are putting the fights out like. That night, in fact, uh, right now, you know, some some of these uh, these outlets, like right after a fight happens, it, it'll it, it'll go up on Twitter or something like that within uh, with a matter of minutes after the fight takes place. Yeah. Back in the old days, we would we would have to wait. So first, you'd have to wait uh, the guy making the tape, making the master tape, for him to complete the master tape. Did uh, so, it, you know, the the fight that happened could be delayed several months before you actually got to see it. Then you order away for it, and it, it would usually take about two to three weeks after you sent your order in for it to actually get to your house. Yep. And, 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 and then you could be able to watch it. And, and a lot of these early, tape, uh, early uh, tape pioneers, what they were doing and is they would, they, would record on a, uh, they would record the game on one tape, or actually several tapes. These, these guys who are really into it, the early tape pioneers, they, they would tape them. Uh, in fact, some guys would tape. Because with VCR, there's different there's differences in quality of uh, of the speed that you tape at. And some guys would tape by the period at high quality, and then put their masters on a high quality master uh, master tape. So you know they're they're getting the the best quality quality that they can for the tape. Uh, and and so uh, you know eventually when I was in the army, my dad would send me uh, he sent me the Bruins games, and then I I by that time I had two VCRs. And I, I started doing that myself. But, uh, you know, a lot of these guys, and, and this is why I feel a ton of gratitude for the early tape pioneers, 
because the NHL was was never going to preserve this stuff or release it or anything like that. If these guys weren't out there recording this this uh, this footage and and saving it for the uh, you know, and eventually the rest of us got to enjoy it, a lot of this stuff would not be on YouTube. A lot of the early 70s and 80s stuff would not be out there available on YouTube if it weren't for the early tape pioneers who were, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of these guys like Nick. Nick was in a, a news article, and he had several VCRs around the house, a satellite dish. A lot of these guys put a lot of time and money into keeping up with it, and, and I couldn't do it. I I was busy with life. I put myself through college, so I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm trying to get my uh, degree. At the same time, I'm working like 60 hours uh, a week, you know, to, to try to, uh, you know, maintain everything and uh, i just didn't have time to 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 do season sets so i i stopped doing it i just kept ordering from the guys so these guys put a lot of time and effort into preserving this stuff and uh it never would have happened without them because you weren't going to get it from the nhl no absolutely and 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 that was the other thing i get like the shit wasn't cheap either like i remember like especially and then of course you know being up here in canada i mean I mean, there was the exchange rate and everything else. I mean, yeah, so it, it was it was tough. But I mean, like this is you know, I'm, I like I think they were it was about twenty bucks a tape if I remember, and then it was twenty a tape or like three for fifty or something like that. I remember that, and it was yeah. like with this one guy. And uh, but yeah, you'd get the list, and like you said, you were lo- you were looking at these fights, and it was like, oh yeah, it was the names from the box score the from the year before, right? And you you know, and you wanted to because a lot of these guys. Yeah. Um, we never like that was the thing it sounds so funny but it's like when you talk about like probert back in even in 85 or whatever or dave yeah. brown i mean you know i we never saw these guys it's not like they if they weren't yeah. on hockey night in canada i mean we didn't see probert fight like so it was this was all like new like it was new stuff when we got it it was like christmas man when you go to the mailbox and you had that tape coming. Oh, absolutely yep oh yeah you'd throw that tape and you'd wear the reels out right watching that stuff and it was like yeah and like you said it, it's uh and i brought this up in the episode actually i just recorded before we got going but um i mentioned that like yeah like people complete and i found myself as well but i mean this other the other generation the younger kids they don't understand like yeah, like you said, everything's in the palm of their hand. They just go to YouTube and oh, Bob Probert, oh well, they're all of his fights. Oh well, yeah, okay, well yeah, and that and that's great. I'm not saying they shouldn't be like that. That's great that it is yeah. like that, but they don't realize the sacrifice that went into the to get some of that stuff. And even before him, like you said, with the '70s and yeah, like all these Ben Wilson fights, these O'Reilly things. It's like yeah, people don't under. I think people don't understand sometimes the. Uh, the 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 amount of effort and, and money put forth into into getting that footage and well, it, it what it is Darren it's passion these guys yeah. had passion to to do it and and you know we were talking about this and the hobby the hobby of collecting hockey fights it you know it it uh it's driven by media so they're in in uh, they're you know VHS which came out in you know when I. Sandy was one of the first guys who started recording recording the stuff, and you know I, you know he's gracious enough to talk to me a couple times. And if anybody wants to get, uh, you know, listen to a good a good thing with Sandy and, and get the information directly from him, I, I highly recommend uh, the Chris Jericho uh, episode that he was on. He's actually uh, Anthony Bowen's dad. Uh, Anthony's a wrestler at ECW, and of course Jericho 
his dad was Ted Irvin. And I'm, I'm assuming Anthony must have said something to uh, Chris and, you know, oh, yeah, my dad, uh, you know, was, uh, collects hockey fights. And so Chris had him on, and, and Sandy has a lot of great stories as far as how, how he, he started out. But it's it's the passion that these guys have in doing this. And, and you know, uh, the pre-VHS era, so – I got. I talked to Sandy. I also talked with uh, Paul Paul uh, L out of New York, and Paul used to go by uh, Johnny Pie on HockeyFights dot com. And I talked to both these guys, and uh, you know, Sandy, you know, he he goes in the uh, the Jericho uh, podcast how he was fascinated with it, and he started going to the library and going over the. This is pre video, and uh, and you know, he just had a passion for it. He started going to the library and started uh, going over the box scores. Uh, as far as who's who was fought, and he started creating logs as far going over the box, box scores and the you know the roughing and fighting majors, and this is back in seventy two and seventy three, and he's starting to do it. And Paul told me in the late uh, the late sixties, uh, he got interested in it, and him and a buddy used to uh, get the photos out of the hockey, photos of hockey fights out of uh, newspapers, and they used to go to New York because he was from the New York area, and they go, used to go to this newsstand that had all these papers from out of town. And and, uh, and, and he told me the Canadians won, uh, the Canadian newspapers were the best because they used to have more, you know, more pictures of fights in there. And they were, like, creating their own scrapbooks. This is pretty video, and they're creating scrapbooks of the fights. And then he was, uh, he used to listen to the radio. Uh, of, you know, he's a Bruins fan, but he lived in New York. And you know, you know, a lot of these. I don't know if the uh, the the youngsters, if they listen to your show, understands uh, uh, terrestrial radio. Uh, you know, in the old yeah. days, you know, AM terrestrial radio. If you try to listen listen at, in the daytime, there's a lot of static. But if you listen at night, it kind of calms down, and you can actually pick up uh, radio uh, broadcasts from other cities. But it's tough that you kind of got to listen through the static and stuff. So Paul would Paul would listen to uh, the Bruins telecast. Which I think used to go out of WBZ uh, back in the day, and uh, you know he 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 tried to listen, and he he said he'd get he'd get pissed off when there was a fight, but he couldn't hear it because you know uh, the static would come in. So and that's another thing when you uh, the static would be you know sometimes it'd come through and then it would dissipate. So uh, you know these two guys had this passion to start to start the stuff, and then when the VHS came in and Sandy you know Sandy bought his first VHS, and he said that. He uh, at his side of town where he lived, he didn't have cable, so he rented out an apartment on the other side of town that did have cable to be able to record the 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 fights of I mean the games and then take the fights off them. So <laughs> that's pretty much I mean that that's some that's some dedication right there. Yeah. And then uh, and then he said then he said that uh, he got through his through a contact at at Madison Square Garden that they had heard about somebody else who was also recording fights. So he got in contact with them, and that must have been, I'm assuming, maybe the first hockey fight tape trade ever between those two. But, uh, you know, so so Sandy uh, put out an ad in the Hockey Fight News uh, for different areas, and, uh, you know, like Toronto. And he was looking for games, and, and he'd, do, he'd do a deal where if, if, some, if they taped him a certain amount of games, like, four or five he'd trade he'd trade him for the game if it had a fight in it for a, a hockey fight tape so people were sending him games and uh you know it's it's this grassroots network and then other guys started to pop up you know you had dan in california uh though you know, a lot of the guys I, I told you about uh you know that were in the hockey news you know years later i i uh i came into contact with uh with a guy uh 
Oh, Larry D. Larry D. was from the New York area. He moved down to Florida. I ended up getting part of his collection. There was Francois. Francois got started. Uh, uh, Francois B., he's also out of the Montreal area. He got started in the late 80s. He started making his own Montreal stuff. I ended up getting his master's. Um, and, uh, you know, so all this, so this grassroots thing of all these guys in different areas started to spring up, and there were more and more people uh, you know, creating their own stuff. And then other guys were getting sources like from the minor, from the minor leagues, uh, you know, and that was a whole nother thing. Some, uh, as, as things wouldn't go on, you know, I'm going to say maybe around 84, 85, 86, then you start seeing the minor league tapes really start to pop up and, and, and come into prevalence. And, uh, you know, those go, those start to spring up and become more numerous out there. Yeah. Well, that was, that was a whole other animal, the minors and juniors, because, of course, they didn't really have TV contracts, right? I mean, maybe yep. locally they'd play a game or two now and again, but for the most part, um, you need to have a hookup with either a player or a coach, or yep. and then you'd get the game tapes from them, because every tape, every game had to be recorded in case something happened, they had to give it to the league. So at the end of the year, if you knew a coach, he'd give you the, you know, the 72 game tapes or whatever, because... Because uh, if you're on the road, the other visiting team had to record, make two copies, and they would give you copy the other team a copy. So at the end of the year, if you knew the coach, he'd give you the game tapes, and the guy would off you'd go, and like you said, the two VCRs, and he'd put together the fight tape from there. Um, but guys guarded that stuff because you didn't want to burn, you didn't want to burn the source, obviously, right? Um, that, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think that was actually more of an. Ep- I think that was more of an issue later on going further into the modern era when you had like youtube and ebay and and that type of stuff i know i know from dealing with junior teams and a few minor league teams ebay was a big fear of theirs that their stuff was going to end up being sold on ebay because for a while when ebay first started that was a big deal you saw a ton of fights tapes and stuff and dvds at that point being sold on ebay well so yeah a couple couple things happened so uh and you're right. You, you never burn a you never burn a source. You never bite the hand that feeds you. And uh, you know, and if somebody sends something to me and and they say, you know, uh, don't release it, I honor my word. I just want to see the footage. And it's yeah. not to hoard it. It's it's you know what? You never burn a source. If the guy the guy's putting himself out for you, and you know he's he's letting you watch you know have this footage, but he's trusting you too. He doesn't want you to to release the footage, so you don't burn that guy. And you know some some guys have been some guys have been burned. Uh, just a quick quick backside. So there's also information. I mean not information. There's also things, uh, footage that came about, and it come it comes about from sources before you know guys like Sandy started started recording. So there's a whole you know that whole Bruins. Uh, there's a whole bunch of Bruins footage that came out from the late '60s and the early '70s, and that that I believe was from a source from an archive. From from like a Bruins archive that was able to go. That's what I heard from one of the other old time collectors that was able to go in. You know, someone told them where to find. You know, what games to go look for, and was he was able to. to you know, that was a great great collection of fights. That tape's out there right now. Uh, but that you know, a lot, there's been stuff that happened before the VCR era. And it's, it's for from guys getting sources. And they were able to find it before it got destroyed, and, and that stuff circulated. So that's 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 out there. As far as the the you know the selling tapes, so that so it was around the early '90s. The hockey news uh, had ba- you know banned the ads in the in the uh, in their publication. As far as you know, they were anti-fighting, 
and they finally banned the ads in there. And I do know a couple couple guys who got cease and desist letters. A couple guys who were selling got cease and desist letters. Uh, and then there was uh, when the internet popped up, there was a I, there was a I think it was called the Web of Traders or something like that, where a bunch bunch of guys were on there selling, and they did a sting of those guys. And again, cease and desist. And then on the hockey fight boards. Or uh, you remember originally on FC, it wasn't just a tape trade center. Guys could actually market a fight tape and uh, and sell it on there. And I, and I think a couple of guys got caught up in a sting operation. I think it was out of, if I remember correctly, what everybody was posted. It was like out of Jersey, and they probably hired a PR firm and you know bought some tapes and then said, "Hey, you sold this, uh, you know, tape tape and uh, you know cease and desist. How much money do you make? Cease and desist." And you know, that's when the I know FC said, all right, no more selling on the site. And, uh, you know, you can only trade, you know, can only trade footage uh, collected to collect and no more selling or profiting. And then there's uh, there was one guy I won't mention a site, but uh, there is a site that was up there. You'll you'll probably remember, Darren, where the guy was guy was charging for a subscription service uh, yeah. to to, uh, to sign up to his site and view his fights. And he got in a big jam. Yeah, I think he made a lot, he made a lot of money off that. But if I remember, because that one did hit the news, uh, there was like some some newspaper report on. I don't think he was paying taxes on that money. So uh, he, yeah, I, he, I think he he got a pretty he got hit with a hard fine. I think he ended up having to pay money. I know that. Yeah, yeah. So so he got in a jam for sell. So I don't sell footage. I don't want to get any any jam, any copyright jams. I've never sold footage. I stay away from that. Uh, and then there was another guy that I won't, again, I, I want to respect everybody's privacy. There was another guy who, uh, we probably both know who was going around. He was going to, uh, you know, sports memorabilia shows. He'd set up his table with his, with his, uh, VCR and, and, uh, and TV. And he was selling things. And I, I heard he got himself in a jam, uh, selling tapes. Yeah. I think early on though, like those early guys and stuff, I, man, they, I, well, they would have made some good good coin selling that stuff they had a good run for a um, a decade plus selling stuff and and uh they would have made some good money i'll tell you uh well some yeah and, and you know some treat it so here's the thing some treat it like a business and you know they make money they were there uh and you know some guys could but some you know one one old collector told me he goes he he said i i don't make it he goes i make enough money to to cover my expenses you know because vcr is the the heads wear out you know yeah. the tapes you you can't just keep on taping over over the same tapes because the quality will will go down so you got to cycle out you got to cycle out the tapes you got to buy the better quality tapes otherwise the picture is going to look look like shit so you know plus you got the sat you know the bias that you know if they're uh one of the guys who had a satellite dish you know you have to pay for the satellite dish or the cable so to be really dedicated where you're taping multiple games, you know, you, you need a, you know, you, you got to put in a lot of money to do it if, if you really wanted to. So uh, as I said, one collector told me, no, I'm not making a profit. I do, I do uh, sell tapes, but I'm, I'm uh, you know, that that's for the equipment I burn through. Yeah, that's true. Cause the V, v well, I just, the VHS tapes alone were, ooh, were, they weren't cheap. That's for sure. Um, no, well, it's funny, Darren, because I just just to backtrack. One of the guys, uh, and we used to joke around on the hockey fight boards. One of the guys out in New York, uh, back when he when he was when he was selling, he had a, he had a funny thing on his front thing that you know he had his price thing, and I think tapes are forty bucks each, but there's a two tape minimum. So uh, you know, don't don't waste his time with just buying one. You have to buy at least two to make it worth his while. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, he 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 was high priced uh, back then. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. It. Uh, <clears throat> well, fast forward, and like you said, you, we all, the the internet becomes gets on us here, and uh, it's like I'm like, what is what's this internet thing? And uh, and I quickly discovered fried chicken in its very early stages. I think that's when it was just all. I think it was just one long text. I think at that point, um, you know. Yeah, no, I yeah, it was it was one page. Yeah, yeah. The, the early the early bits. So they weren't the first. There was uh, the first one. I never. I this one. Had, this one. I was. I don't think I uh, had a long life. Was uh, wasn't it Doctor Souls or Mister Souls Fight Board? Uh, yep. I, I just remember guys. Uh, Sal. I think that was Sal's board. And uh, guys would refer back to that one when I when I discovered the that there was a hockey fight community, and on on the internet, it, you know, FC was the first one I discovered. You're right. It, initially, it was uh, initially it was one just one scrolling page, so you'd have to scroll down, and, and anybody could post anything, you know, and you know someone might reply like several several things later. And then they eventually got a new uh, new site, new server, and then they, they clean it up to put it in different sections, uh, you know. But you know that yeah that that's when you found out that there were a lot of people out there because I I was I we were talking about this last night. If if you look at the uh, kind of the, the the subculture as far as hockey, so you have hockey fans, and then back when we we grew up watching hockey, there you know every time I've seen a uh, a poll on should they remove fighting from hockey? Like I remember back in the uh, the nineties, where the hockey news did a three a three week uh, thing a debate where uh, should they ban fighting in hockey? And of course they dedicated most most of the uh, the space towards banning it. And then they had a poll. I forget if it was a telephone poll. You mailed in your results, but eighty five percent of the people came back. No, don't ban fighting in hockey. So generally back then. 75 to 85 percent of hockey fans thought fighting should should remain part of the game. Now, there's as we found out with the with the the fight board community, and I think a lot of the fight board community, the people who were gravitated towards that, were also tape collectors. They might not have been tape makers or tape pioneers, but I think I think that community was into the fights, and and I think a large part because they you know they got to order the tapes. Or the yep. tapes were at the time the tapes were going around, and that kind of piqued their interest as, as far as that subject's concerned. And so there's a subculture of the old hockey fight community with people who are fascinated by it. And it's and I kind of uh, compare it; to, it's kind of a form of fantasy sports because within within this old the subculture, and we used to, we used to see this on the boards. You know, people used to argue about uh, you know mythical heavyweight champions, Probert, Dave Brown. You know who's on your, who's on the top ten all time list. We had a system of you know there was a system created and it wasn't too far off from boxing. A system created on how to judge fights. Uh, you know and you know fight cards. Fight cards was another thing. Who fought who? Who you know? Well, this guy did good against you know. If two guys didn't fight. Well, all right. Who's got a better fight card? Who did, this guy beat the same guy that beat the other guy. So we said you know these arguments used to take place all the all the time and with within the subculture and then i argue that there's even a smaller subculture of hockey collectors like like me like you guys who are really into collecting it uh, collecting the footage and and preserving it in within their collections but that's a small minority of hockey fans a very small minority of hockey fans and a very small minority of the hockey fight community the, the people who are 
you know, who kind of follow it, whether uh, they're really into it or casually. Yeah, and that was the thing, like, when we got into fried chicken, like I said, it was the one long thing, and then they, eventually they cleaned it up and got a whole site and whatever, NHL, this section, a minor league section, but they had a tape trading section, and that's when I really got into it. Um, I wasn't so much a big poster or anything, or really got into a lot of the debates, but the tape trade section is where I really got rolling and and made a lot of connections with people, and uh, it would be funny, because you'd get, this is... Like I said, this is definitely an an old timer friggin' uh, show today because these young kids are just shaking their heads right now. But uh, <laughs> but I remember you'd get a hold like, of the guy. What, what are you guys talking about? Oh, exactly. But it was like, oh, here I'll send you. Do you have a list? What's your tape list? And the guy'd send you to some GeoCities or GeoWare site or you know that he had created really quickly to put all his lit tapes on and. Oh, it was yeah. and you just like I remember just trading with guys and building up the collection, building it up and. I mean, and it, and again, I mean, postage wasn't cheap back then. I mean, because you're sending VHS tapes and and everything else. Because again, this is late '90s, so it's still VHS. Haven't gotten to DVD yet, and it was just like, yeah. So you're sending tapes and and like and like I, I mentioned before, yeah. Like when you had a trade coming, like that was Christmas when you know you you get home and all of a sudden my mom would do, oh yeah, there's something here for you from some somebody in like you know Illinois and it's like ah. Oh, you know, you're grabbing the tape and you, you know, run downstairs to play it. And, uh, you know, and it was just, that was the big thing for me with, with the fried chicken was just getting into the, cause I had bought a couple tapes, but, and there was a mom and pop video store that actually had a few here, but overall I didn't have the collection. Like some of these guys did, like you'd get a guy's list and he'd have 40 tapes on there. You'd think this guy was like, Oh, this guy's the king. Like he has the most stuff I've ever seen, you know, and it's funny now when you look at it, but at the time it was like, Oh my God. But, um, when you, I, I was going to ask you before we, when we were, we were talking about the hockey news and stuff like that, because this, again, this was, I, well, I, this had to be obviously pre-internet. Um, I'm always fascinated because I never got them. And the only reason I knew about them is because you had posted them on, um, was it you or somebody did had put one or two of them up on a, on a, on a word file or whatever, but the newsletters, the aggressive hockey oh, report. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Yep. And so, uh, I, so the hot, yeah. mixing it up. Beavers mixing it up. Yeah, mix it. Or yeah, whatever. So in between so yeah, so the, the you know, the, the hobby kind of has been driven by the media and then then the means of communication. So a lot of the early days it's grassroots. It's guys calling you know, it's guys calling each other. You know, the the youngsters have no clue what a long distance phone call and I no. forget what time it was. You had to wait till after seven o'clock at night, so these, these long distance fees didn't really kick in. Yeah. Or if you're on the phone with somebody if you're on the phone with somebody for over an hour, well, you know, like like I'd I'd call and talk to Dan and you know, I, I enjoy talking to Dan but you know, an hour later and then, then you get that phone ball that phone uh, bill, it's like, Holy shit, uh, you know, yeah. like, I didn't know it was gonna be that much. But you know now, now that's nothing with it. You know, you just have your cell phone. Oh, well, if there was, if there was long, still long distance charges, you and I, I'd be working overtime this morning to pay for that <laughs> phone call last night. Yeah, no, it was oh, yeah. brutal back then. Yep. Oh, yeah. So, so you know, there, there was the grassroots of guys talking to each other. Then there was the newsletters, and and yeah, Mark, Mark, uh, Mark T, and Sandy put that out, and uh, I didn't get it at the time. Uh, I wish I did. I ended up getting those copies from uh, from Larry D. Larry D had a whole collection of them. He sent them to me, and then I, I asked Mark if he mind if I put it up on on the on my Facebook page, and uh, he said he was cool with it. So I, I threw it up there. And yeah, yeah, you, you had uh, you know, Mike Mike B his his uh, mixing it up, 
And, uh, you know, that was, that was like the, the makeshift mode of communication until the internet came along. Now when the internet came along, that's when you found out, Oh wow, there's, there's, there's a bunch more people who are into this. Like, like we are, you know, uh, Oh, I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I couldn't believe. But I was going to say with those, with the, with the newsletters, were they out at the same time, or did the aggressive come out first and then mixing it up later, or did they overlap? How did that work? You know? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know if they, uh, if they overlapped or not. Uh, You know. uh, Yeah, I'd I'd probably have to ask uh, Mike B when, when his was out. I didn't get him at the time. And uh, it wasn't was until years later that that I that I had access to him. Uh, I, I at the time I wasn't in contact with with Mike. I came into contact with him later on, and uh, yeah, I wish I I wish I was in contact with uh, with Mark uh, with with the aggressive hockey fight report. But uh, no, I just didn't didn't make that connection. No, don't forget it's not the internet. If you if you don't find where where there there might be advertising it, you're, you're going to miss it. Uh, yeah, because you know, that like, was the like thing. Because I, I can I can remember seeing the ads, but I never yeah. bothered to get a subscription. But I ah, I'm just kidding. I really wish I had. I'd love to actually. Yeah. If, I'm. I hope those guys are listening to this. Well, you're on, so I bet you they might listen to this episode. If they listen to this episode, fellas. I want to get a hold of you guys, and I want to talk about that time period when they were writing that newsletter because I would love to hear what their, you know, what their subscription, what how many people were into it, where were they sending it, if they caught any shit from NHL teams over, just stuff like that. I'd love to get yeah. the ins and outs of that of that of that newsletter time because that was because uh, when was the date on that? That was like mid ninety, early nineties. Yeah, it was, I was around. Uh, God, I think it's going to around ninety two, ninety three, or ninety one, ninety two. Around around that time, if memory serves me correct, I got a middle aged memory now. So it's and I just I, did, I just posted those up not too long ago. But yeah, early nineties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to sit down and talk with those guys and uh, and and have them come on the show and, and talk. I I'm just fascinated with that stuff. I I'm kicking my well, when you put it up and I was scrolling through them. I'm like, I would have killed to have these back in the day. Oh, well, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, yeah, they would have been great. Uh, you know, occasionally there would be a book out like, uh, you know, Dave Slavenko's looking out for number one and eventually Fischler came out with the bad boys book. But I, I, I'd I'd be curious, did they ever get any shit for, for their, their opinions on it? Cause we know what the, with the fight board days, how, how, if, if you don't, if someone doesn't agree with your interpretation of fight, how combative there, there were some people in the, in the, uh, the, the hockey fight community who are wound a little bit too tight. Uh, that that's a whole nother thing too. There, there were guys and, and, uh, it was, it was crazy. I mean, there was one guy who, if you, if you crossed it, first of all, he had his own list of enemies, uh, you know, and, and, uh, he referred to people as his enemies. And then he would, uh, he had a standing offer. If you, if you, uh, crossed him that he would fly you out to, uh, to the west coast to fight you and uh he would he would pay for the airfare to fight. i don't know if this guy had a dojo or not but uh that was that was a standing offer uh, that we used to laugh about but uh yeah some, some of these guys are combative and and you know just imagine if if uh, they get any feedback as far as their opinions back then you know oh yeah like that was the thing i read a couple of them yeah because i mean some of them they get a little stiff right so it's like yeah i'm sure they probably heard about it from a few people but yeah like because that like i said that mid early to midnight like that was when i was in high school and like my friends and i were all kind of into it but again no internet you didn't know right other than reading box scores you didn't really know and every once in a while the news would show a clip of a fight here and there but you didn't know 
So to have, yeah. and then until the Fischler books came out, and then the Tough Guy magazines came out, the other, and which I think I've read 10,000 times. Actually, I'm looking over at my bookshelf right now. They're sitting right there. And it's like, I've read those things 10,000 times. Um, like those things were like, you know, like the Bible reading that stuff. But yeah, to go, to have that ahead of time and to have those newsletters would have been awesome. But yeah, I need to, uh, fellas, if you're listening, I need to get you on here. I want to, I want to hear some stories. Um, but anyway, moving forward to, uh, Saran fried chicken. We're making some trades and everything else. At this point, um, like what, what was always, what was your deal? Were you, uh, cause I was always a junior kind of minor league guy. And, uh, and like my, I always say my wheelhouse was the nineties. Cause that's what, that's yeah. when I was really into it. Um, as far as when you started out collecting, what was your, what was your focus as far as collecting? What did you, what were you trying to get? Or were you just trying to get everything? I was just trying to get everything. I, you know, like I started out with it in the early days, NHL stuff. And then, uh, Oh God, I'm having a, I'm having a mind blank with the, the guy out of, uh, out of Maryland. Uh, Baltimore, Maryland, but uh, I got like a couple Seattle Thunderbirds things, and and I, oh, the announcers back then. I don't know who the announcers were, but the but the old Seattle Thunderbirds uh, <laughs> tapes the uh, the eighty six, eighty seven. You know what I'm talking yep, about yep. there, and uh, the West Coast. Uh, I mean, sorry, the, the Western Hockey League. Those guys were phenomenal, phenomenal in their announcing of of the calls, and and there was the one where, uh, oh my God, Darcy Simon, and I forget it was it was a Gregor or it was some guy, and they had a war absolute war and the announcers were just going crazy it was it was uh it was great so yeah i i anything i could get a, a hold you know and you know like ihl when when the san diego uh stuff came out i just tried to get a hold of everything when i when i first uh i didn't join up on a on fc for a long time i was i was a lurker so i yeah. would, i would check in and, i would check in and read a lot of the stuff but because it was uh you know it was there was kind of like a highly combative atmosphere. I used to think it was funny, but uh, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. At first, I thought it was beneath me. Like, yeah, I'm like an adult. Uh, am I going to get in a pissing match with somebody over a over a hockey fight stuff? So I kind of stayed out of it at first for uh, you know for a few years. So I didn't even join the site. It was when they when they because uh, uh, you could contact so many people. Used to put their email addresses up on in the tape trade center. You know, if they had a tape. They they had they had made they used to put their email addresses up so I I just contact them through email and uh, eventually when they had that crackdown and where you couldn't sell a tape it was only tape trades that's when I I eventually joined up and I still lurked I just joined up to uh, I would just DM people and say hey I you know uh, do you want to trade or you know I'd like to get a copy of that tape and and I would uh, you know I, I'd go through the back channels and then. Uh, you know, after after a few years, then I started to participate in it, and then, uh, you know, the guys wound too tight. I started. Uh, nowadays, they call them trolls, but uh, I just used to find it funny that the guys who would take it so seriously. So my mischievous sense of humor got the best of me sometimes, and I would just start. Uh, you know, I get I would indulge in a little satire, a little mockery, and uh, you know, and just uh, you know, chuckle at the responses, but. Uh, that's for another day. And now, here's a word from our sponsor. The biggest tournament in college basketball is underway, and the action is just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, combine multiple bets for a shot at even bigger payouts. DraftKings will feature parlays and odd boosts all tournament long. So be sure to check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day and see what we have in store. 
Yeah, guys, upsets galore. What a tournament it's been so far. Some great final, uh, Sweet 16 matchups. Gonzaga, UCLA, or Alabama and Houston gonna keep rolling. We'll see. Can Florida Atlanta keep the Cinderella story going a little longer? I love this time of year. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. All right, we're back at it here. A little little break. We're, the break in the action, and we're back here, folks. Um, yeah, well, like we said, we, we were kind of we got into the fried chicken thing and the message boards, and we're you know so now we're kind of in the late '90s, getting into the early 2000s. Um, YouTube is still not around yet. People are still trading VHS tapes. Um, when did you start getting into like trading, like the hardcore trading? When did that happen? So, yeah, so that that happened. Uh... While on FC, so you know it, it was, uh, you know, people were trading, and uh, you know when I told them what I had, it was like, oh, all right, cool, I, I, I can, you know, it, it's okay to trade because I didn't know if, you know, the the decorum at first, if uh, well, if you got something from somebody else, uh, you, you know, can you trade it? But generally, it's if some, you know, so if you work a deal with somebody, and it's just mutual respect, and someone tells you. Hey, don't you know? Please don't trade it. Please hold on to it. Like you know, when you look at the the what we talked about earlier with with the guys who are making their own stuff. So, guy put guy puts in a, a, the effort, the expense to record stuff, and and uh, a lot of the collectors, what what we want is we want footage, and and uh, the, the people that into the hobby for the right for the right reasons. Uh, you know, there's some people who are in the hobby. For them, it was like a business and sports and it's kind of a sports memorabilia thing. But the, the collectors who were in there, who were in there just to just to uh, get foot, uh, you know, trade for footage, get footage. Uh, we wanted to see footage that we didn't have. So a lot of people who made their own stuff, they'd want to make deals and use the and take their work and go and work out deals with other guys who were other collectors who are making their own stuff to bring bring more footage in and make their their collections more complete. Uh, so you know the, the you know when you talk about the code in the NHL, there was kind of a code back during trading. You know, not to rip anybody off. Honor your word. Be honest with what you have. Uh, you know, guys used to have rating systems. Guys would put rating systems. Uh, you did. They'd have a list of their tapes, and they'd, they'd put. You know, some guys would use numbers. Uh, you know, a scale like one to ten, a scale one to five. Some guys would put. You know, excellent was was really good. Uh, very good. Good. Fair. Fair was kind of crappy. Uh, you know, so, you know, if you're going to work on a trade with somebody, you want, you know, you, if you're putting up some good material, you want good material in return. You don't want to make a trade with somebody and they send, you know, and that's another thing people have to understand too, with the VHS era, VHS era in trading generation, uh, the generation of tape made a lot of difference. So if a guy made a master and he was sending out first, first generation quality from the master second generation generation quality from the master you're talking about pretty good uh very uh pretty good quality now once it got traded around and you, it gets up to seventh or eighth generation from the master then it's uh you know it's kind of a diluted project uh you know product and uh, you know guys used to joke around about crappy tapes it's like trying to watch a a hockey fight tape through a fishbowl uh, you know, some, some of the tapes that are really bad out there, that, that, that's kind of what it's like to, you know, it's the, the quality so, 
so horrible it's not even worth watching in some cases. So, uh, you know, you know, we're working out a fair deal with people, honoring their wishes. If someone was, you know, if someone's willing to send rare stuff to you, honor their word. And uh, some guys would ask you not to trade for like six months because they wanted to set up their own deals and bring in some footage. And some guys didn't mind if if uh, if you traded their stuff because. If you were trading their stuff and you brought something in that they didn't have, they would want you to say they'd want to, uh, you to return the favor to them. They'd be like, "Hey, I got this tape. You interested?" And that way, that was another way where they could bring some uh, footage back to the collection. So, uh, you know, it kind of was this web network of of traders that were going on uh, back then. And you know, we might we might not always be connected. Like there might be guys that I might not be trading with directly, but I might. Uh, be friends with with uh, with a friend of a friend, so I could get you know what their their product, what they made, and get it to my collection. And you know, some of the, I I picked up some good quality stuff over the years, and I could trade them back something of value. You know, yeah, it was always funny. Yeah, the quality debate. It was like I I was always really nervous because that was the thing on the tape trade section. If you were trading around, like everybody was trading, if you got a rep of like. Uh, like not, ri- but like having shitty stuff or whatever. Like you didn't want that. It's it's like eBay. You didn't want a shitty rating, right? So it's like I oh, would yeah. always like purposely downgrade my stuff when I would tell a guy. Like he'd be like, "Yeah, I'll take that." And I'm like, "Ah, it's not really. It's okay. It's not great though, but it's okay." Yeah. And I and I mean it would. And then they get it. They're like, "Oh, dude, what are you talking about? This is actually really good." I'm like, "Okay," but I'd always like really downgrade my stuff. That way, it's I can say, "Well, I told you." If he complained, but other than that. Uh, I always, I always like to think I had a pretty good rep when I would trade, but, but yeah, like you said, if a guy created a tape, everybody let him kind of do the circuit and get everything he needed for the tape from each guy, and then he'd be like, okay, now you can trade it, like you said. So yeah, everybody always respected that. Well, I should, I take that back. Not everybody right. did. Most people yeah, did. Yeah, and it, yeah, no, you're right. And there were some guys who were out there who, uh, you know, would would lie, cheat, and steal. To get their hands on something, and you know, if you got a bad reputation, you close doors. And I know this for a fact because I would talk to some guys, and they'd be like, "Don't trade with this guy; he ripped me off." And you know, it, it was different on the boards where FC held people accountable. Uh, fried chicken, you know, if you rip somebody off, or if you didn't come through with a deal, the guys got on your case on on FC. If you posted yeah. the tape trade section, hey, I'm waiting. Hey, this guy, I've given him every chance. I've been waiting two months on this guy. He's He's not giving me anything. They would ban him. They'd say, hey, you're in, until you come through with the deal, you're not welcome here. The other website, uh, the hockeyfight.com website, I got ripped off by three different guys on that website. And, uh, you know, we talked a little – I won't mention names, but uh, we talked a little bit about this last night, Darren, and I, and I, I kind of got miffed at the, uh, the old proprietor of that website because he didn't, hold, he didn't hold his own people accountable on that. And, uh, you know, some, some kid ripped me off. I mean, you know, some kid ripped me off and, uh, one, uh, we probably know the same guy, Al, uh, Al out of the Michigan area. He posted over there, letting people over there know. And, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the proprietor of the site didn't care. He's like, no, don't bring that stuff over here. So, uh, I, I didn't particularly care for him as, as far as that was concerned. But, uh, you know, there were guys who would, who, oh yeah, sure. I won't, I won't, uh, you know, I won't trade with anybody, and uh, they would break their word. Or one of the maneuvers that guys would do is fabricate a uh, a tiff or a, or a, a grievance against the other guy. Like, uh, oh, you did that. You know, there, there was one thing where there there was somebody who fabricated a thing over uh, 
the mode of how they copied it. They didn't copy through a DVD duplicator. This is back during the DVD era. They didn't, they, you know, if you duplicate through a DVD uh, duplicator, you're getting a one-for-one copy, an ISO file. Uh, it's basically a carbon copy of the other DVD. If you do a play-to-play, it's a little less, but it's about a 98% copy, and which really the most people can't tell the difference. But this guy, this guy, uh, claim, you know, put this grievance up there and then released some rare footage that he promised he went. So he kind of broke his word up over that, and that, that was a BS move. Yeah, like I, I, I will say with everything with the trading and stuff, it was it was pretty good. I mean, I know the first couple of years when I was into it, it was it was really easy trading with people and stuff like that. And uh, it helped that, you know, it really helped you if you went out and, and kind of, you know, you know, shook the bushes and kind of ended up making some of your own stuff. If you could come up with yep. something original. See, I was lucky I had the blade stuff here with Junior. And I had a connection and I could make some blades footage. So I, I, of course I had no, so that gave me original, like you said, it's like footage was currency and I had yep. a, a, original footage, right? So I could go out and then I could get like Lazito's, he already knows, but his Las Vegas Thunder stuff or whoever, like the original copies of the original guys, you could get in with them. So it was like, that was yeah. always a really good hookup if you could make your original stuff. But to, to the point, though, as I'm trying to make here is uh, to the people listening, it's like it was hard to get unless you knew some players, you could kind of they could put a word in for you or whatever to come up with. Like the NHL is one thing you're taping stuff, you're taping, you have a satellite, you're taping the games. OK, whatever. But to get the minor yep. league stuff and junior stuff like you needed someone on the inside. And so you had to cultivate those relationships and it wasn't easy. And I was going to say what actually made it real hard was when eBay came around. Because I think eBay was before well, it, YouTube, I think. Yeah. And teams, yeah, so there, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, so, there, yeah, there's, uh, I again, I want to respect this privacy. A fellow collector of ours uh, out of Pennsylvania, and he developed a, re- a relationship with the minor league hockey team out of, uh, out of that same state. And he used to get footage from the team. And then somehow they learned the tape was being sold. Now, it wasn't being sold by him. Somebody, another collector... Uh, I believe it was the collector who used, who we referred to earlier. He used to go to the uh, the card shows and, and set up uh, the VCR and sell them. Uh, he was selling the thing, and somehow the team got uh, got word of it, and this guy lost his source. He he, he uh, you know because that tape ended up getting circulated and sold. Then he you know he got cut off from from the source, which kind of sucked for him, you know. Yeah, well, and that was the thing, and then of course ultimately it just sucked for everybody because now no one gets it. You know, yep. and yep. Uh, yeah, and I, and I know that happened not just in Philly, but in a number of a few places. And it's like, you know, and like, and then some, and then when eBay came around, like you said, and then all of a sudden it starts popping up on eBay. Now these teams are really closing ranks and you can't get nothing. And it's like, because they're all so worried that you're going to sell it on eBay, right? And it's like, I, you know, you could yeah. tell them until you're blue in the face that you would never do it, but they still wouldn't. Yeah. They still wouldn't, uh, you know, go for it. So, yeah, I, I think when eBay came around and, you know, it's like anything, right? It takes one to spoil it all the time. Um, I think, and unfortunately, those guys really cut off, a, they cut off a lot of footage. And it's that, well, now no one will ever get to see because, I mean, that shit's long gone now. I mean, you know, I'm sure the yeah, teams it, probably it, don't even have those tapes anymore. Yeah. No, and, and, and it's a little, you know, as I said, the the guys who, 
you know, because eBay's right out there. Anybody from the team can go walk yeah. out there do a do a search, and it's on there. As opposed to somebody who's just, uh, you know, working out a deal with somebody like, uh, hey, I don't have anything to trade. All right, well, send me send me this, and I'll I'll send you a copy. You know, uh, it's, it's a you know a little different from from that. He's not like openly advertising it and out there uh, selling it. But uh, I I never wanted to get in a jam with any league or anybody as far as selling footage. So. Uh, I was always willing to work with somebody. If somebody had footage that I didn't have, or they were willing to take something like if they got a game out of the uh, a network or a game out of their area. I remember one time here on the, the local cable thing, they were they started uh, broadcasting AHL games. So I started recording those, and w- one person was interested. I might just sent them the game tapes, uh, you know. So it, it wasn't too hard back then to try to find stuff, you know. And, and people, and some people were good too. Like some people. Uh, would work with you, you know. Yeah. Uh, as, as, long, as long as you're putting in, in the effort, trying to, uh, you know, uh, do stuff and and find find some footage. You know, some people would uh, would deal with you. No, absolutely. Um, yeah. When did um? Well, like I said, you you, you know, what your your collection of terms. Well, we'll get into this now because it's funny because I've talked about my fight collection. I've kind of I'm looking right now at it and kind of got spindles of DVDs sitting over here on the shelf and. I I don't know. I probably have 500 DVDs, maybe give or take. <laughs> we'll get into this now because I know you don't know the exact number, but it just kind of cracks me up and it'll blow people's minds. Um, as far as your collection goes over the years and stuff, I don't know. Just throw a ballpark. <laughs> How many fight DVDs or do you have? It it's somewhere between sixteen thousand to seventeen thousand hockey fight DVDs. It's <laughs> uh, it's it, so. You know, I don't have. I, I'm, I'm. Believe it or not, I have a life. Uh, people might not believe that, but I do have a life. Uh, I don't have the time to go down there and, and count them all out. It, it's just that's not going to happen. I'll have an accurate count someday when they've all been converted to a digital file. Then I can count up the numbers in the folders. Uh, but I, uh, I, I counted a box one time and had over 200 in there. And then I just multiplied the boxes and the space of how of, and, and extrapolated the numbers, came up with an estimate. And then one of the old time collectors, I got his collection. Uh, he had he said he and I took about his word. He said about he had about three thousand, so I added three thousand. So yeah, I estimate that I have somewhere currently between sixteen to seventeen thousand hockey fight ta- uh, tapes and DVDs and and. Uh, you know, some part. You know, some people are like, how do you get that many? Uh, you know, first of all, they're you know they're not all separate, exclusive. They're, there's a lot of dupes in there. So what ended up happening is, uh, you know, I got started early on buying stuff from the guys who used to advertise out of the hockey news for many years or other sources. I, and I just started. I was a collector. I just wanted to see it all. So I started developing a library as far as ass concerned. Then the numbers started to grow with the trade. So once we hit the FC era. And we're doing trades now. Now I'm 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 really like growing growing my numbers as far as uh, bring you know bringing in footage, uh, trading stuff, and you know also a lot of it too. We go back to what we spoke about earlier, Darren. Just having good relationships with people. You yep. have good relationships with, with people. You you get a good rep that you're a decent person to deal with. It opens doors for you. And uh, so I I started growing my my collection there. Then the DVD era hit. And I, I went out and I invested in, and, you know, I spent like 800 bucks, seven or 800 bucks on, they finally came down. I remember when the DVD, the DVD recorders came out, I first started pricing them and they first came out like three grand. I'm like, yeah, I'm not spending three grand 
but finally it dropped down to about seven, eight hundred bucks. I bought my first Panasonic, which the Panasonic units were great. I loved them. Uh, my first Panasonic DVD recorder. And, uh, so I, I, uh, I, of course convert first, I converted my collection, my, all my old tapes, uh, late nineties. I converted all those over to DVD. Then I, then I offered as a service out to people to convert theirs. And I still offer this service today where if anybody is sitting on, you know, their collection, it's got to be a good collection. I'm not going to do it for, you know, a multi-generational collection. But if, if somebody has a good collection and they want it preserved, I still have all my machines. They're just sitting around collecting dust right now, and I do it for free. Uh, that way you can back up your data. Uh, you know, these these tapes, these VHS tapes, the, the science is out there that they degrade over time. Some of these tapes, you know, when the guy started recording back in the late 70s, some of these tapes are like over 40 years old now. And uh, 40, 40, and this, you know, some of these tapes are in that, some of the tapes I got in my collection are, are over 30 years old. So, and I've seen in my own collection, you know, uh, I pull out an old tape. I've seen in my own, my collection a good, what used to be a good tape. I, I see it, it the video quality has gone down. It's starting to degrade. So that's why I'm glad I, I, uh, I preserved everything that I did. So I, I offered that out on, on FC that, you know, if anybody wants their collections preserved, send it to me. And all anybody has to do is pay to send it to me. I'll I'll record it no cost. I'll save it for people, and uh, you know uh, I'll get it back to them. And so I start. You know, a lot of people took me up on my offer. So I started. Uh, you know I make myself my own copy and uh, or my, of what it was. So I started uh, really expanding my collection then. And and a lot of the old guys from the hockey news. I got a lot of you know a lot a few of those collections were duplicated. Or in some cases, I end up getting uh, collections. Now, we go up further. We get to the the NHL strike, and we get to where the hobby starts to die. And the hobby start the hobby started to die with YouTube, and we can get into that in more expansive detail. But the hobby started to die with streaming streaming uh, hockey fights with YouTube uh, and the new NHL. A lot of the old collectors started to lose interest. You know, you, you, you put in all this time and expense. Well, it's all up there on YouTube. Like, why should I spend my time? And it's a lot of hard work because there's a couple of seasons I, I did it. I tried to do it. And it is a lot of work to keep up with it, record the games. Then when you get some time to, uh, to take the fights off the, off the games and put them on your, mas- your master tape. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys lost interest in, in hockey because hockey changed. It, it actually started with the obstruction crackdowns in the late 90s, early 2000s. And uh, the game started to change, uh, you know, streaming media started to change the hobby as far as trades were concerned. It, it, it ended up, both those factors ended up killing uh, tape trading uh, for most most people. I'm I'm still into it, but uh, from you know, uh, I'm one of the, the few last holdouts. And uh, for tape trading and for the for the hobby itself, the the old fight boards uh, died out. And you know the the only the only remnants of them are on the you know like the Facebook and stuff. I don't know what other social media has it, but it, it's it's not like it used to be. And those those uh, Facebook pages don't hold a candle to the old fight boards. Uh, Steve's trying to build something though. Steve's trying to build yep. his his uh, his thing, and so it, you know, and there will be a uh, a message board section. So may, maybe we can get a, a little bit of that back with some old some old-fashioned uh, hockey fight fans, some old-fashioned uh, discussions and stuff. So hope, hopefully, uh, you know, St- you know, I know Steve's close. Hopefully that'll that'll be up and running soon in full force, you know? Yeah, 
The Fight Chronicles. Yes, that site is coming, folks. I know I was just talking to uh, my show. I, you know, I know people always talk about drop your gloves and they're always mad that drop your yep. gloves went away and everything like that. Well, it's Steve's goal to bring it back and it kind of bring back an old school like message board fight clip, like basically drop your gloves 2.0 is what he wants to do. And, uh, yep. well, that's what he did do. It is coming out. I've seen the site. I've seen the shell of it. I, you know, I know what they're trying to do. And, uh, I'm, I, I'm actually really looking forward to it for the fact that I hope it can bring back some of the older guys and get their yep. kind of get a nostalgic thing. Now I don't think, Oh, we're all going to be trading DVDs again and it'll all be great, but I don't think that'll happen. But I, I hope it, it kind of rekindles some stuff in people and like some of the older guys that are a little maybe jaded with the, well, there are no fight sites anymore. They got the sour taste in their mouth from hockeyfights.com yeah. and whatever. Hopefully they come back and will populate the community on Steve's site and we can kind of uh, maybe recapture some of the old. It'll never go back to what it was, but I mean, hopefully it, no. can, it can capture some of the, uh, some people's uh, enthusiasm again, I guess we'll put it that way. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it was uh, you know on the one hand I benefited, but uh, it, it is it is tough because a lot of these a lot of these guys we knew, and you know when they write you or they tell you, hey, I'm getting out, I lost interest, and you know it's like, oh man, another guy, he, you know, so that guy stops making them, and uh, you know a lot of you know a lot of these guys, basically, I end up with their collections, and you know, in some cases, uh, you know, uh, uh, and actually another case, another guy that I, that I work with, we work together. He ended up with a couple collections and then, uh, you know, we worked together as far as me, uh, try, taking them and converting them from VHS into DVDs. And then in a couple cases, guys, uh, sold me their collections. You know, they're like, Hey, uh, how much would you give me for this? And I, I, you know, would come up with a fair price and I'd get their collections, you know, and in, and in their case, I had a couple few people, who said, you know what, I know you're still into it, I know you'll take care of it, and they were happy. They were happy that, you know, even though they weren't into it, it was going to somebody who's still into the hobby, I'm still going to use it. Uh, you know, what I what I do, I, I I take this material, and we could get into my archive that I'm building, and how, how I, I, I plan on creating, you know, when I retire here, how I plan on uh, creating my own projects and stuff here in the future. So, uh, you know, if anybody's looking to get rid of the collection, uh, you know, they can contact me. I'll be happy to, to look into it, see what you got. And, uh, you know, it'll go to a good home and, uh, it'll be, it'll go into an archive that's being preserved. Well, let, let's talk into, like you said, when the day you retired, you, you're going to go down and crack open these, these, these 17,000 DVDs, the projects that you have going, I know, um, there's some stuff that I would like to do as well with some of my footage. And I know, uh, you know, Yuka out there, I know he's, he's doing a Mike bro thing right now and he's trying to collect all that. I think he's got, can you believe he's got like 600 fights from Mike bro? Like he's like a separate and he's still, and he still hasn't got them all. That's crazy. How many fights that guy got into, but anyway, Oh he, yeah. No, he, he's actually, he's one of my fa- favorite guys to watch too. And, and, Oh, you know, tremendous. I would get the, uh, he shows up in the, uh, when I first noticed him, those, uh, Quebec semi pro hockey league, uh, thing, and then <laughs> it became the, 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 the LNH, uh, uh, yep. stuff. But, uh, if you watch that old stuff with the, the Quebec semi pro stuff, I mean, uh, uh, he, he was, I mean, he was great. And, you know, I think he fought, uh, I got his boxing matches. I actually got his boxing match, uh, and maybe a couple of them against him and Brashear. They've been Brashear get, have a, have a couple boxing matches up in Quebec. And, uh, no, he was, he was one of my, he's one of my favorite guys. I enjoyed watching it. He, yeah. He definitely, he definitely stood out in those early, uh, Quebec semi pro days. 
And then near the end, I don't know how old he was, but when you get to 04, 05, and there are some, like, big dudes, uh, you know, some heavyweights in the L&H at that point, and, uh, you know, there's some, some heavy hitters, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, though, crazy time, crazy league. And yeah, so I know that was one of Yuka's projects that he's working on right now. So, and, uh, you know, so we're, he's always looking for footage from the old Quebec days. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we all have our little projects that we kind of want to do and get at. Um, what are you, uh, like you mentioned that you, you know, once you retire, you want to kind of get into this project. What are you kind of looking at in terms of, uh, like, is it a player project or a league thing? Or what are you looking to do? So one of the things I'm doing right now as far as archiving when I get the time is uh, a lot of the early stuff, the early 70s stuff, the early 80s stuff, the 60s stuff. Right now what I do is I'm taking the files. Well, first of all, I have to organize it because uh, as we spoke of the other night, there could be several, several, seven or eight copies of a tape floating around within the collection because I've gotten these from so many sources over the years, and, and I use the example of there's a fight, you know, there's a tape that starts out with Luke Dufour, Barry Beck. It starts out in, in the 82-83 season, but it covers mostly the 83-84 season. And I have several copies of this tape, and, you know, so I look for the best quality as far as that's concerned. And, uh, you know, it's trying to track down, okay, you know, I, I, I got a little uh, spreadsheet. Okay, I, I you know, it's in this collection, it's in this collection, it's this collection. Who's got the best quality of that tape? So I'll take the best quality of the tape, and then I split it. I, I split it by the fight. So I, I'll, you know, depending on how many fights they are, I'll use a video splitter. I, I split up the tape, and then I uh, label it, and then I put it in this, the respective year. If it's 82, 83, put it in there, or 83, 84, put it in there. And then on each of the tapes, I watch the end of the tape because some tapes, they they, they might cut off at a certain point. Like some tape might cut off at Contos uh, and Baxter, some might have a couple fights after that, so even though I have the, I, I'm splicing up the best quality of the tape, it might stop at Contos uh, and Baxter, but there might be a tape with a couple more fights on there. So I, I just want to make sure I don't miss out on anything there. Or in some cases, some guys would add on, and, I, and I've I've had a few guys do this for me back in the day. You know, there, there's a, like a one or two fights on another tape, and you're like, hey, can you any chance you can add that one on and. and some cases, guys would be nice and they'd add a couple fights at the end of the tape. So you never know if someone in their collection has a couple of these added fights at the end of the tape. So I'm always looking for that. And what I'm doing right now is I'm archiving by the season. And when I retire here, I want to put, I want to start building one of the most comprehensive NHL uh, thing. Go season by season. And, you know, what I like to do is, is, uh, you know, put every feed of a, of a fight. So, you know, we were talking 80-89, there's uh, the Islanders against uh, Philadelphia. And the one fight I remember from that game, uh, I think there was multiple fights. It might have been when uh, Chanel fought uh, fought Tockett. But uh, I know Mick Vakoda and Jeff Trickin fought. And in that, in, in that uh, particular game, I know there are at least four feeds. There's the... Uh, there's the Islander feed, there's a Philly feed, there's an ESPN feed, and there's a, uh, there's a, a Canadian feed. I, I don't off the top of my head remember if it's the English feed or if it's the French feed, but there's four different feeds, which is kind of rare, rare for that. So I will throw, I'll, I'll, when I eventually get to it, I'll throw all four feeds as, as, as I'm going forward. So you get to see it in all four feeds. And then if there's any news clips, I'll throw the news clips on the end. And then if there's an interview, like if somehow, uh, you know, the fighter happened to talk about that fight, oh, yeah, I fought Chickering, and, you know, it, it was Mick fight, talking about fighting Chickering. 
well, I might throw a little piece of that at the end or, you know, like the, you know, God, when I, someday when I get to the Dommy uh, Probert fight, there's a ton of, a ton of, uh, not just the fight itself, there's a ton of coverage of that particular fight. I just like to be complete uh, and thorough as, as I put these things together. So I want to do one for the, for the NHL. I want to do one for the AHL. Uh, you know, I used to do this thing uh, years ago. It was called the Tough Guy Chronicles. And I was just fascinated by all the enforcers and their matchups with each other. So I might try to do do that again, where just all the the noteworthy enforcers in their matchups against each other, whether it be juniors, and put it in chronological order by the date, the season, the season, and uh, you know whether it be juniors, AHL, NHL, IHL, and just move through there. I might resurrect that one in, here in a few years. Tremendous. Um, well. Uh... Well, one thing I want to add, just off the top of my head while we're sitting here, um, in terms of your collection and, like you said, being around the Bruins or whatever, um, have you ever made any tapes for players? I made one for O'Reilly. Uh, I uh, I was put in. I'm not friends with O'Reilly. I'm not going to pretend I'm friends with him or, or you know we we talk or anything like that. Uh, I was put in contact through, from someone who knew Terry, and I just uh, you know. Uh, I was, you know, I, I just said, yeah, I, I make hockey fight tapes. Do you think you'd be interested? And I did speak to Terry. I, I said, you know, hey, I, I could throw something together for you. So uh, I have made them for players, and uh, I have had players. I, I, there was one thing. So one old collector who sent me, uh, the guy who uh, from Montreal, Robert, who sent me his collection, and he said, uh, he asked if, uh, if he sent somebody my way, if I could take care of him. And, I, and there was an old player from the LNH who was looking for his footage and Robert had uh, uh, made a couple, I didn't realize at the time. So I ended up for this guy, uh, this player, I ended up making a, uh, a set for him. And then, uh, so I made him a set cause I'm like, yeah, I don't see anything in here. I don't see your, your thing, uh, your, your player DVD in here. So I made him a set, which kills me because about a year later I discovered it. I discovered that he didn't, he did indeed make a set for him. So I recontacted the player looking at my old emails and, and then sent them a copy of that. But I end up making, making one for him. I've made, I've made a project for a couple players. I don't have the time now. Uh, but if, so if a player reached out to me though, if something's already made of them and it's in the collection, yeah, I take care of a player, but I got to verify it's a real player. If, uh, you know, if, if I'm just contacted by email, uh, there was a time I was contacted by somebody who portrayed they're a player and I just assumed they were, and I, I made up a project for him of what they had and sent it to him. I didn't, and I expect anything back from him. But then the guy offered to uh, send me like a jersey. And I was like, all right, I'll, all right, cool, I'll take it. Never, never got the jersey. I sent the, I sent the thing. And, and uh, you know, not that I'm really into the jersey thing, but once you throw the offer there, you're like, okay, all right, sounds cool. You, you, then you kind of get your hopes up for it. But it never came. What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. They're, um, was it well? Because it's funny because as I've done this show, of course I'm interviewing players or whatever. Of course, I always ask them, "Hey, do you have any footage?" Like ninety eight percent of them don't. Um, yeah. Have you? I'm assuming you you do the same. I mean, uh, if you've ever run it, like I'm sure when you talked to O'Reilly, did you say, "Hey, Terry, do you have any of your stuff on tape?" Did you ask him that? Yeah. No, I did, and then then I also offer. Too, I, I ask, hey, you know, if you ever hear of anybody who might, can you mm-hmm. keep me in mind? You know, like I'd really, you know, I I really like to see, you know, if 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 you have the footage. There was a so again, I want to protect people's privacy, uh, 
there was a minor. So I through a family relative who worked with a uh, a minor league uh, enforcer uh, in the Boston, you know, guys from the Boston area, and uh, you know, put me in contact with the guy. So I called the guy, I'm talking to him. I let him know what what I do for you know hobby and stuff. And I made the offer of you know, hey, I can, I can make you something. Do you have any footage? And he said he did. He he had some some. Uh, some footage he noted he had some old brawl i'm like all right cool well i'd really you know and i was willing to drive to where this guy lived to work and i'd say hey i can drive and pick it up duplicate for you and uh you know that never came to that never ended up coming to fruition and then i heard from another collector that he was going to make something up for the guy so i was like all right whatever you know yeah yeah it's always uh you never know, right? You got like I said, it goes back to like shaking the bushes and hopefully something falls out and you never, hey, you never know if you don't ask, right? So it, um, yeah, you know, it, uh, well, and yeah, I mean, I've made stuff for some players too. And, uh, you know, it, uh, you know, every once in a while it's, it's panned out though that you, you end up finding some good stuff from guys. But I've always heard actually like Don Cherry has like a really big fight tape collection. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, I've never, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, you know, I don't know if he does or not. Uh, that would be interesting if he does, and you know, uh, but I don't know if that's the case. I, I have no firsthand knowledge if it if it is. You know. Yeah, I just know. Uh, I've heard him reference like, oh, I have fight. Like he's mentioned, oh, I go, I have these fights on tape, and I'll, I'll sit up at the cabin and play some and whatever. And I've always wanted to know, like what exactly does he have right like because i mean well, it, 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 could, it could be a couple of things darren too now he could have stuff that people send him so yeah so you know don, don uh you know don's uh a lot of people in the hockey fight community are, are fans of don obviously because because uh you know don you know don's a celebrity pro fighting uh you, you know uh great you know he used to do those great uh his show where he had it at the bar, those great interviews that he yeah, had to do with, with the tough fight. guys. Exactly. So with, within, he's got a lot of fans within the hockey fight community. And, uh, you know, I could see a case where someone might say, Hey, uh, you know, it's and they, I'd have, I'd just, Hey, I'll send you a couple tapes. So people might send them tapes or he, you know, maybe other collectors. He, he was in contact with other collectors. They took care of him, And, uh, you know, or maybe he has stuff. I I have no no idea uh, whether he he has any. I have no firsthand knowledge whether he has anything or not, or whether he just has a lot of stuff of you know that we all have. Yeah, no, that always be interesting. I always wanted to know that. But uh, what's the uh, I? Oh, go ahead. Well, I do know. I do know of a case of. Uh, now I never de- uh, dealt with the player. I do know of a case of a player who also became a coach who was taping the games and working with another uh, tape collector, you know, he, he would give the, the tape collector. So he was saving footage at the AHL level and he would, he would send the, uh, the tape collector, the games and the, the you know, and, and again, this, this isn't unique, but that that's the one player I was thinking about that was, that was saving stuff, uh, you know, and, and giving it to a tape collector to make, you know? Yep. Yeah, unfortunately, I wish there was more guys that did that. I I only know of a few, yeah. but uh, um, as far as your footage goes, what's the uh, what's the oldest footage you have? Well, the so the oldest is uh, I think it's the uh, the stuff we like that old clip of the nineteen thirty five. Actually, I think there's one even even uh, before that. But the the one that I I don't remember the name, but I think that might have been a also a Montreal New York Ranger fight. But 
there's that one. It's the clip of the 1935 Ranger Montreal brawl, and then they, uh, there's one also from 1953. That might be the date of the oldest, uh, as far as that's concerned. And then we have we have a bunch of stuff out of the 50s and 60s that that's that's been put out there, but that that's widely available. Uh, the rare thing that I just came up, I don't know if you want to talk about that. Of course, uh, of course I do. That's where I was leading to. Here, let's hear Oh, okay. All you, right, all right. Well, yeah. all right, very good. Very good. So, yeah, I uh, I have uh, this footage of the John Winsink, Len Cunning AHL incident, and uh, I got to re- re-record that off of Super 8. I, it was, I recorded off of 8 millimeter, so that the horizontal line was a little bit off, so I got to redo that on Super 8. Uh, unfortunately, uh, home projects uh, – uh, and, and this conversation uh, took precedent over the, over that this weekend. But uh, yeah, so the the, the Len Cunning John Winsick incident, which is a uh, a famous in, in incident, and it's famous because I, it's reported brutality. It was uh, it was really supposedly one of the more brutal incidents that happened in in the history of hockey fighting. And Don, and, and uh, Don Cherry actually talks about that in his first book, how vicious it was. Yes. Oh, and, and so uh, I, I can't get – so I promised my source I would never tell anybody who I got it from. And, uh, and again, i got to honor my word as far as that. So uh, there is an interesting story about how this, how this footage was survived and uh, somehow got into my hands eventually. So uh, I, I ended up, uh, you know, transferred over to digital – and uh, so I finally, I finally got to see it to confirm it. And uh, you know, it starts out the, you know, so there's a bunch of uh, scoring plays in, in the footage, uh, highlights of uh, rushes up and down the ice, and then it gets to a uh, to the to where this incident picks up, and there's already a fight going on. I don't know who the players were. Uh, there's two other fight. There's two other players go, uh, already fighting. So in the lower right hand of the screen, Winsink matches up with Cunning. And uh, it's like a Winsick throws a quick right. I don't know, you know, I don't know if it'd be a sucker punch or if Cunning should have known it was coming. But I don't think he saw the punch coming. You know what they say? It's 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 the punches you don't see coming from those angles that knock people out. So he goes he goes right down, and uh, then the camera angle moves. So now now you get to see them also in fully in the screen they, they, they were kind of cut off a little bit in the lower right angle when they first went up so you're just seeing their upper bodies they go down cunning is clearly out cunning is on his back motionless looking looking up at the uh you know at the sky i wouldn't even say looking up he's, he's, he's just out Winsink gets on top of him similar to he got on how he got on to alex pyrus and the old uh montreal boston thing so he's He's on his stomach, and then he proceeds to, and and I just want to say this though, you, you're talking to a guy who collects hockey fights for a hobby. Uh, grew up watching boxing. I, I I'm not squeamish, but I take no enjoyment in, and I'm going to be honest with you, it, it was pretty brutal. I take no enjoyment in watching this. I'm, I'm preserving it because it has historical value within the hobby. It's not something that I'm going to replay and replay. And, and enjoy watching it because it, it, it was brutal. And, uh, you know, so I, I'm just going to explain it to people, though, so they, so they know what, what took place. So Winston gets on his stomach, and, he, and, he, and he's sitting on top of him. Cunning's clearly out. And then he proceeds to measure him and wail away with eight shots. Uh, 
And I was trying to think, you know, I was trying to think of a comparable uh, in the history of hockey fighting that, that we've seen. And, you know, there was the, there was the Ben Wilson uh, Hillworth uh, fight where Ben Wilson catches Hillworth, but that was an even up fight. And I, I think in that case, you know, Hillworth goes down, Wilson keeps slugging away and you see Hillworth's head. And that was kind of a brutal knockout, but I think that was those extra shots was Wilson in the, in the, you know, the heat of the moment, you know, still going on. And maybe he didn't realize Hillworth was, was out as he was. Uh, one stick with Alex Pyrus. Pyrus, even though on his back, could still take defensive measures, try to control him. And you, know, you, you see in the UFC fights out, and that's what I'm. I'm not a big fan of the UFC, but I've seen some things where guys are on their back, and somehow they turn it. They they get a hold of a guy's arm and they turn it around and end up like getting a guy in a submission submission hold, which is uh, which, which is crazy. But uh, you know, just because a guy's on his on his back doesn't mean he's necessarily out of the fight. So. When Winsick was trying to uh, uh, fight Pyrus, and he was trying to take shots when he was on top of Pyrus, Pyrus was still conscious and still trying to tie Winsick up and take uh, defensive measures. Then you had the 91 playoffs, Dave Brown and Jim Kite. And when Kite was with Calgary, Dave Brown was was with uh, Edmonton. They get kind of mixed up together. I think it was Robertson originally, Steve Smith. And, uh, you know, uh, Kite and, and Dave Brown get uh, tied up, and they start going at it. And Brown uh, knocks Jim, Jim Kite down. Now, for whatever reason, Jim Kite's on his back, and for whatever reason, Jim decides to throw a fight up at Dave Brown, and uh, which pisses Dave off, and Dave starts to uh, measure Jim and just starts to fire away. That might be the closest I I can uh, I rec- uh, comparable this, but even in that case, Jim Kite was still conscious and still could take defensive measures. But Dave Brown fired on him, wasted away on him, and you know Dave's Jim Kite and the other players came in, and then he held up. And, you know, clearly, clearly Kite was dazed, but he did hold up uh, knowing that he had Kite at a disadvantage. This this with Winsick, he didn't hold up. He kept going, and, and uh, it, is, it is a scary moment. So the two refs are over trying to manage the other fight. The, uh, I'm sorry, the two linesmen are trying to manage the other fight. The linesman is over there, and he sees this, and he sees Winsick on top of Len Cunning, uh, you know, bashing away at him. And... Uh, and just so people know, I was a you know I'm a fan of John Winsick. I, I grew up in Boston. I, I loved him when he was a Bruin. Uh, so I, I'm not you know I have no bias against the guy. I'm just being I'm just giving an honest honest assessment of what what I saw. Uh, the ref comes over and jumps on and, and tries tries to wrestle uh, Winsick as he, uh, so he can't do any more damage. Winsick's still trying to fight past the ref uh, as so he's fired up. He's I don't know what what he what you know. If he was just in a, in a total fit of rage or, or something like that, uh, but he's still trying to fight past the ref to uh, to do more damage on on uh, Cunning. Cunning at some point when, when the ref comes over, you can see his right hand faintly move and try to grab at Winsink's uh, pant leg, uh, and then it stops. But he's he's out and he's in bad shape. The video there's like a split second time jump, and there is another uh, player trying to get in and uh, try to get get at Winsink, but he's being held off by a Rochester player. And then the two other linesmen who have the other fight broken up, they come over and they help the ref uh, try to get Winsick off of, uh, off, you know, off of uh, Cunning. Uh, the ref probably saved Cunning's life, uh, you know, and, and, it, and it's, pr- it's good for all. It's good for John as far as, you know, uh, you know, and, and, you know, Cunning and stuff that it didn't turn tragic. That's how brutal it was. Uh, you know, so uh, and that's no exaggeration on, on my part. I don't think I've seen anything 
that brutal where a guy who was clearly out got hammered that way, you know? Yeah, well, like, has Winsick, like, has there ever been a mention, like, why Winsick got so freaking mad about it? Or, like, has there ever been anyone ever talk about it? Like, other than, oh, I heard. Uh, I mean, has Winsick ever said anything about it? Or has Cunning ever said anything about it? I, I didn't say, so I, I, I posted that newspaper article, and, uh, you know, it, it, uh, uh, it really didn't, didn't get into it. I did reach out to, to, uh, Don Cherry on Twitter, and he got back to me through a direct message, and he can't really recall, but he said he something might have happened early in the game. So, you know, uh, who knows? Who knows why he went after him? If it was that game or something he did in a previous game, uh, you know. But he was uh, he was clearly uh, seeing rage at that point to to go that far, you know. Yeah. Well, like you said, I you're. Mean, the funny, the funny thing is, is you remember when, when Winsink years later, he hit, he knocked out Larry Place there yeah. and, with a body check, and he immediately like signaled to the bench. So, you know, it, you know, like, hey, he's out, you know, and and he was signaling to the bench like, hey, get somebody over here to help this guy. So, uh, just a bad night, you know. Yeah, wires crossed, and there we go. But, uh, um, well, just a, I know, and like we kind of talked off air as far as the collectors go and, and stuff like that. Uh, you know, everyone has their, um, their Holy grail footage that they would love to see. Um, you know, I've always said, I would love to see, I would have loved to have seen more Probert junior footage, OHL footage. Cause there really yeah. isn't, there really isn't anything, which is surprising actually, but like, there's like yeah. five fights or something. It's like lame, but I, that was be, I off the top of my head. That's what I would love to see that. Um, I know we had talked briefly about, you know, a lot of the old timers I can remember hearing, they always wanted to see the Plimpton game. And for those wondering what I'm talking about, it's the Bruins Flyers game with George Plimpton, the the writer, actually plays, he plays a net for, did he play a period or something in in goal in a preseason game? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, that, that was something Plimpton used to do back then. So he did that with the Lions, he practiced with the Lions. Like Plimpton would be, would get with a team and, you know, they actually let him in a preseason game, apparently. And I, I think he might have – I don't know what he'd do with the Lions if he played just a couple plays or something like that. And they didn't write about it in Sports Illustrated. Yeah, yeah. So, in, that, in that case, he wrote, he wrote a whole book. It was open net. Uh, yep. So, well, and in, the, uh, no, and that, in this game – yeah, and in this game where he plays net for the Bruins, uh, there's a massive brawl that breaks out between the Flyers and, and, and Boston. And, uh, and that footage has never been surfaced. Yeah, never been serviced and never been verified. Uh, I I don't know if it exists. To be honest with you, I haven't heard anything. And uh, you know, there were rumors. I think someone someone uh, said there were rumors of like Al Secord watching it in the locker room and stuff like that. But those are un, unsubstantiated rumors. But that would be a great find. Uh, a couple things on my holy grail. I would love to see the uh, preseason '92 fight between Probert and Poshek when Poshek was with Toronto. Supposedly Poshek did well on that and supposedly caught Probert with a shot. And I think that just raises it. You know, when you hear about that, yeah. uh, it just raises everybody's curiosity. And Poshek was a good fighter. Yep. Uh, so that, that raises everybody's curiosity uh, as far as how that one went. Uh, I wouldn't mind getting a live feed of the Detroit-Toronto brawl 
from uh, 85, 86, the one where uh, Probert headbutts McGill. And, uh, you know, that, there's, there's plenty of news footage of it, so you can kind of piece together what took place. Uh, you know, I, there's news footage from different outlets of several different angles, so you kind of see a lot of that a lot of that stuff. But I'd like to see the live, uninterrupted team feed or something like that. You know, they're, even though the, uh, a lot of these games, even though they're not telecast, there's, uh, there could be a team feed. So, you know, there, there's stuff in, in there's stuff in collections uh, out there where, you know, minor league stuff and, and uh, there's some of the pros, like some of the old Blackhawk stuff, even though it wasn't telecast, somebody was able to get a hold of the team feed of that. And that happens in minor league games, too, where there, there might be a team feed of something like that that exists. Not all the time, but, uh, you know, someone was recording there at the time. And, uh, you know, for all that footage to go out over the over the news outlets. So it'd be nice to get an uninterrupted feed of that either from from the news news people. You know, and you could have the news people. So you remember the uh, and one that we're lucky to have is the uh, the Flyers in Montreal uh, pregame playoff brawl back during the 80, uh, playoffs during the 86, 87 series. And, you know, the fact that a couple people were filming at the time, like, uh, you know, so we got to catch that that brawl. Uh, pretty much from from almost the beginning when it picks up and, and and see it through through the duration and I think that was picked up because guys had satellite dishes and uh, you know whatever for whatever reason the cameras were rolling and uh, you know there's one feed where you see Pat Clement in there and that that must have been the ESPN thing and he's just standing by watching it so that was a nice one to see uh, and I think everybody always says they'd love to see more uh, Bob Gasoff. Uh, Footage and you know gas offs uh, gas off against Holmgren. Uh, that fight, I think there's photos of that fight and a couple of things that have surfaced on YouTube that were rare that we always so that Schultz and Holmgren fight uh, when Schultz comes back as an LA King that one surfaced on YouTube that that was great the uh, the Joe Kosher Dave Semenko I'm I don't know if you want to call it a fight I think Dave kind of got the jump on on Kosher in that one he kind of just went down but. Still, still a nice thing to see. Uh, someone within the past couple of years released a uh, Randy Holt against uh, uh, Dave Semenko fight, which is which was a good one. And then recently, someone just uh, just put out a uh, a clip of the beginning of the Schultz John Van Boxmeer fight, where uh, Schultz catches him with a shot and, and, and put it down. Like we had we had footage of the aftermath with bon, uh, Van Boxmeer already down, but no one had the actual shot being landed and, and that just appeared. So there's always hope that, that there's stuff out there and, uh, you know, maybe it can surface someday. No, absolutely. And like you said, and every once in a while, something will pop up and, uh, you know, uh, you know, well, speaking of Poshek, that was one that came out because everybody had heard throughout the Western hockey league, the famous Jim Lattos, Rudy Poshek fights that took yes, place in the Western yeah. league. while. Those got released, and those were some of those are like two of the best fights I've ever seen in my life. Those two, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, those. So that was cool. So you never know what uh, what's out there and who has what and what'll appear. But uh, you know, we can you, we can always hold out hope, right? That uh, somebody yeah. will talk to the right person and they'll, they'll come through. And uh, like I said, I, well, I was talking to you last night. Hopefully, I have some irons in the fire here. I'm always I'm always kind of looking for old blades footage and. Uh, I, I, I got a guy hot on, hot on the heels here. He's, he's, uh, 
uh, he's trying to find the VHS tape at, at his mom's house somewhere. So of the old news that he used to record. So hopefully that'll appear. Cause mm-hmm. That that'll be interesting, but uh, you never know, right? But like I said, you gotta yep. you gotta ask and shake the bushes and see. And uh, well, um, I know I've kept you here for a long time, and we've talked about the old the old trading and the the footage and everything else. And I mean, for an old fight nerd like me, I've I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Um, but before we'll get away from the footage and stuff, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with this. You didn't know I was gonna ask you this, but I'm gonna we're gonna play a little lightning round here. Um, you know, people are always, um, because in the latest episode that I released, well, it's Sunday that I'm putting this out, um, you know, they're, they're talking about, they're, people are always talking about their, their top tens or this guy and that guy and whatever. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What, who is, uh, well, I'll, I'll give it you, who are your, uh, top five of all time? Oh God. Yeah. No, I know what we're going to do. I know what I'll do. Cause I just released this episode, the Mount Rushmore. Nope. There you go. What is Ron's Mount Rushmore of hockey well, here, forces? So here, all right, before I give you my Mount Rushmore, here, here's here was my theory when we used to argue over these with the, with the message boards, and and we both boards tried to do like the ultimate top ten. Yeah. We actually tried to do a top top ten on, on FC, and we tried to establish criteria. And as I said, this is all sports fantasy stuff, but we you know it it just it ended up going awry and. Uh, what happens is, and I, and I, you know, you and me see this on Facebook a lot. So what happens is, is there are, you know, if you take a top 15, top 20, 25, and you can argue these guys belong. And the fact of the matter is, is there's only so many spots, but there may be uh, a number of worthy fighters. So, you know, if, if you're doing a top 10, well, there could be 20 20 players that you could argue are worthy of the top, like legitimate argument is oh, top yeah. 10 because that's what happened. P- people get their feelings hurt. Like, Oh, you're not going to put this guy in, you know, because they're, fa- first of all, they're fans of the guy and they think highly of him. Oh, you're not going to put this guy. It's like, you know, it's, you know, Oh, you're going to put this guy over that guy. It's like, well, listen, it's nothing against that guy. Uh, he is worthy. But well, and then like how do, and then how do you cross over eras and all that stuff, right? Like, yes, yeah. There's, yeah. there's only ten spots, but there's like twenty to twenty-five guys you could throw in. You could make an argument deserve to be in the top ten. So, uh, do you want my top five, my Mount Rushmore favorite or the best of all time? Uh, and and I got I got one disclosure is that uh, I, I the fighters after the new NHL come out came out. I'm really. Uh, not well versed on. I stopped watching hockey. I, I tried to. I couldn't watch the new NHL. It's not the hockey I grew up with. Uh, I, I I always make this comment that you know what? It's like it's like trying to drink non-alcoholic beer. It, there's there's something that's just you know it's just missing that makes the product so much enjoyable. And the the physicality. It's not just the fights, but it's it's the way the game is played. I just didn't. I don't enjoy the new NHL. I I lost interest of it. So. Uh, consequently, I still collected footage past it, but consequently, I'm not well versed in, in, you know, guys past the new NHL. I know, you know, Derek Bagard, obviously he was great, but even, even guys, you know, like Ryan Reeves, somebody actually, one of my friends asked me about Ryan Reeves and I've seen Ryan Reeves fight technically really good, but, uh, this friend of mine asked me, how do you think you'd do against Probert? And I'm like, I'm really, I really couldn't tell you. I, you know, ask me about the older players. Absolutely, I could give you a, a, an opinion. But some of the new guys, I just don't. Wa- I just don't watch enough of their material. I just watch it casually, occasionally. You know. So, uh, do you want favorite or best? No, uh, uh, Mount Rushmore. No, we got to go with the best. Somebody says, Ron, you got we're, we're, you got to chisel out four faces. 
Who are the four best? All right. It's, two of them are two of them are super easy. Probert Day Brown. Yep. Uh just just super, super easy. Uh Ben Wilson. And yep. uh you know, I'm gonna go with uh I'm gonna go with Brash uh, for sure. Yep. And you know, it when he started out his career, if you wanted to the two it's funny, Darren, and, and this is a funny thing about the about the old board days. It's uh the two most polarizing guys and it comes there is a style bias. Yep. So it it was it used to be funny because guys who had a wide open style and were they were they were dubbed warriors. And you know, rightfully so, I'm not downgrading these guys, but there were guys who were warriors who people were thought the world of. But their one loss record would be, you know, like, yeah, he's a warrior, but he got crushed in that fight or he got you know, he 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 loses more of his fights, yeah, you know. Uh like you know, but they would have the respect of, of the fight the the old hockey fight community. People didn't like Brashear. It was a style, and and uh, because he, he he initially with Montreal, he uh, he got in that in tight kind of boring st- style of fights, and then he started to take off uh, when he got to Vancouver and started to improve. And, and, and one of the things is one is this, you know he said in the, I, I think it was in the Fisher's book he started to get his confidence when he was with Vancouver, but he uh, he's a he, he's a hard guy, and I'm comparing him against his peers. He's a hard guy to fight because he can get inside, he's strong, and he can score. And he used to eat up McSorley near near Marty's uh, latter part of his career because Marty would like try to pry him because Marty would like to try to extend and, and, and fight him at arm's length. And as he's trying to do that, then you know as he tries to push away, Brashear just starts eating him up with lefts. And uh, you know, and, and you also got to give it to Brashear for the longevity. I mean, he went all the way up in, at, at a high level up into the. Uh, in, into the uh, the new NHL era, and he, he was he was still formidable. And uh, yeah. you know, I know he got I know he got TKO'd uh, or K, uh, TKO KO, whichever way you want to see it, ninety two ninety three by Chris Simon the IHL. And uh, how long did he go? And then uh, I think Wade Belak uh, popped him uh, later on when when he was with uh, Washington. But how many years did he go before someone actually took him out and, and got him with a new TKO? I mean, he. He he won his share of fights. He at one point he got domin he, he got dominating, and there was a there was a history there where he was arguably in the top three for many years there. So uh, I'm, I'm going to have to give him number four to Brashear. There you go. Well, I completely agree. Yeah, it uh, you know, and like I, I've uh, what I've talked about the top ten and stuff, and I, I've said personally in my top ten I have Larocque and Brashear in my top ten. Yeah. Holy, well, the, the heat you get over that. And guy, like you said, guys would argue. And to this day, even on the Facebook, now they, they'll argue and like, oh, you'll have guys that'll flat out, oh, Brashear and LaRock sucked. It's like, dude, yeah, like, what, what are we doing here? It sucked. I mean, you might not like their style, but they didn't suck. Yeah. Like, don't, don't say that. You sound like an idiot. You know, like, and like you said, they were really polarizing figures and it's very much style wise, right? They didn't like, and because yep. the whole Brashear threw noogies. Well, I've interviewed yeah. a lot of players in this show, and guys that have fought Brashear, they'll argue the Noogie thing. No, he threw hard, and uh, you know, like you said, it was just a different style. And and uh, you know, was he Joey Coaster? Well, no, he wasn't with his power. But I mean, no. he could, but he if he stretched you out and got going, and like you said, once he got his confidence and and really came into his own, yeah, he uh, him and Larock went seasons without losing. Like yep. who's, who no, it, 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 a long a long stretch of being at the top. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, his 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 style wasn't his style wasn't uh, you know for many years it wasn't fun and it, it, I guess it'd be frustrating for the other guys who who are fans of their enforcers they go in and, and fight for share and, and you know some of these guys who get a little too much emotionally invested oh, yeah. that the guys who are wide oh guys who are wide a little too tight guys who are a little too emotionally invested in this and their their guy gets taken out by Brashear and it's like oh he didn't fight fair he didn't open up well. Isn't that kind of smart? Like he yeah. he fought his style, and and uh, you know uh, it was able to pick him apart from inside. And you know, uh, I think he I think he dropped Poshek one time. He, he, there's a bunch of guys he dropped, and yeah. uh, you know it's I I think in watching these guys, it's very tough to land a power shot or a TK or or a, or a, a shot from inside. And he and he he developed into the type of guy who could. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, the final one I'll ask you here is, uh, you know, we always kind of say the, uh, you know, everyone sort of the top, the the number one guy. It's it's almost like, is it Probert or is it Brown? That's sort of always been, are you a Probert one guy or a Brown one guy? I'm a Probert one guy. And uh, yeah, I, I am. I mean, you can make the argument otherwise, but I'm, I'm still a Probert. One guy, I mean, you know, everybody, everybody takes their losses. Uh, you know, I mean, I could point out Brown's losses. I mean, Brown in, in there, you know, they had two head to heads that I'm aware of. And, uh, you know, the fight in 87, 88. Yeah, I, I always wonder if, if, uh, if, if Probert got caught at the end of his shift. Because uh, it, it, it was kind of a fight where Probert really didn't unload on him and, and go, go, go full bore at him you know it was kind of a slow trotting fight and then in the, then in 1991 when they fought and they were going toe to toe and you know uh uh and, which was a great fight uh probert ended up winning that one so i kind of give it to probert yeah you could you could pick a, and that's another thing darren you can pick apart any fighter you could sit there well yeah. probert lost probert probert got ko'd by todd ewan probert took a shot by grant jennings and you could i could do the same with thing with dave brown now it's not the deter from either of them because they're great fighters, but I could say, yeah, Brown got, uh, Brown got TKO by Randy McKay, but he, he did avenge that loss. But, uh, you know, Brown, Brown took his, uh, took a couple losses there, you know, uh, Jim kite, Jim kite or an, an 85, 86, you know, and uh-huh. he would avenge that one, but Brown, Brown had taken some losses too. No, absolutely. Everyone loses. And, uh, yeah. And I, and I think, and then we, well, I brought this up in the episode I just recorded because it was a, a thing about Probert's losses. But, um, I, I think it's sort of become this, like, this almost this trendy, like this revisionist trendy history to, like, kind of almost knock Probert down a few pegs. Like, you have some people that, I mean, you have some people that go completely overboard and he walked on water, never lost, and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I know. And then you have the other no, group. The other group that is like, oh, well, no, he only won because his jersey came off or he was on coke or he was, you know, you have these guys that will just like shit all over him just to shit all over him. And it's like, you know, you got to be somewhere in the middle here. He did lose and there are losses, but it's like when you go over his history and you look back on it, man, the dude had 300 300 fights and it's like he did not lose that all that much. No, and, and you got to look at the era too. Don't forget. Well, he, he's kind of like he spans two generations because I I always look at ninety three eight ninety four the incoming of the next generation of of those enforcers like when McCarthy came in and Simon and and you know there, there's a there's a new generation of guys breaking in in ninety three ninety four. But previous to that, you know, Probert breaks in in eighty five eighty six, 
and you got to look at the quality of competition around there. And even though he didn't fight Kosher till later on, till, till the nineties, but yet him, he had Kosher. Jay Miller during during his Boston run was 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 pretty good. Dave Brown, Baruby, uh, you know, just Marty McSorley. There was a ton of really good fighters there. So you know, it, it, you can look at any any fighter who fights enough. And, you know, I, I know, guys, you know, there's not enough video of Nick Fatiu. There's not a lot of video of, of Clark Gillies, so it's tough. If they fought, my theory is if those guys fought more as great as they were, you'd see more losses. It's, it's you know, water always seats, uh, seats its, uh, its height or, or its depth or whatever they call that. But uh, a lot of these guys in the 80s, first of all, we get to see a ton of their fights because there was a bunch of guys recording back then as opposed to the 70s. The 70s when... Guys, when guys are just start getting in the hobby, we've missed a lot of fights. A lot of fights from these old guys got lost in certain markets, like you know, in Boston, New York. Uh, guys were recording, but some of these other markets they weren't recording, so we we miss out on some of their fights. Uh, and in the '80s, though, a lot of people recorded, so now we get to see all their fights, and so so there's there's a bigger uh, selection of of material there, and they were fighting a lot that you can see, and yeah. Uh, yeah, he, these these guys, Brown, Probert, you can go to McSorley. They all, yeah, occasionally they lost the fight, but the, you know you can't like, and guys will focus on that on that the the few losses as opposed to looking at all you know some some of their noteworthy wins. You know, yeah, I mean you got to look at the overall body of work, right? You can't. They seem to all of a sudden just fixate on a few of them, and it's just like wow. Yeah. You know, he had two hundred some other fights too, man. Like, come on, you know. So, I mean, that was always. I had a couple guys on that were really that are really big Semenko fans, and uh, and like Luciano and those guys, and they were like and William and like really in depth, and they've done a lot of study and a lot of research. of Semenko brought up old articles, yep. found some older fights, uh, blah blah blah, and like Luciano brought it up on the thing, like the thing that people see, they never saw a prime Semenko, they never saw the best of Semenko. Because yeah. you know, his WHA nope. stuff isn't out there. His early Oiler NHL stuff isn't out there. Not really. So there's a lot of... <clears throat> so all of a sudden when you see... A lot of the Semenko footage that's out there is that mid-80s Oiler run to the Toronto yeah. and Hartford. And that's... You know, and he was at the end then and whatever. But so people yeah, see you, that. You, and, you, they, you, and then they always oh, overhyped. The, yeah. Yeah, you miss out on this prime stuff. So... When a new enforcer back then breaks in, they you know they they want to make a name for themselves, so they fight a lot. And then you know they you know whether it's earlier they hit their prime. A lot of that stuff on the on Semenko was lost. I'd like to see. I think he fought Playfair at least once or twice. Uh, there's at least one photo of the fight, but I'd like to see that fight and see how 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 that one turned out. You know. Yeah, yeah, and so like there's all and like I've I've been well not real, but I've always sort of been critical of Fatio, right? Like guys would always oh no he's a top five guy. <laughs> And I was kind of like, eh, I don't know. Like to me, it's like, you know, you know, his fights weren't really there. You know, the numbers aren't there. Wow, but you never saw him in the well, WHA though. And it's like, well, no, I didn't. Yeah. And like no one else yeah. really did either. And I think a lot of guys yeah. that did, well, mind plays tricks on people, right? So I mean, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't, and I'm not saying he didn't kick ass. But I'm think I'm pretty sure some of the ass kickings that you like to talk about, pro- if we actually ended up getting the footage and seeing it, was probably not that big of a win as you think it was. But the you know the funny thing about the the Fatio thing. So first of all, I have the ultimate. I, I like Nick Fatio. I have the ultimate respect for the guy. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, I I have nothing. You know, so 
But what would happen is from some of those Ranger fans, they would build up, you know, this, we, we discussed this about a, somebody else with Dave Manson. Some people would build, if some people build a fighter so high, they get a little, they get a little pushback yep. uh, about people, you know, so you're like, you know, all right, come on, you know, and so it's not that people don't like Nick Vitale, but, you know, some, some of the guys are building him up. And what used to get me about some of these Nick Vitale, uh fans were how they thought a lot of guys were afraid of him. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, you know, it, it's like, it's like, how do you know, you know, like Terry O'Reilly, you know, I, I think there was a, there was a case or the Probert thing. Let's go to the Probert thing. Twice. So Probert. Yeah. Twice. But, you know, Probert in, has got the track record of fighting just that, you know, like Nick Fatio was at the end of his career. Like, you know, if, if, if there was ever a time to fight Fatio, that would be the time for Probert. But people instantly think that Probert was somehow afraid of him. Well, there's a couple reasons why guys don't fight. I mean, it's not like us fight fans think that these guys, or I won't say all of us, but some some people think that guys should fight all the time. Never 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 uh, never pass up a challenge. Fight all the time, but that's not reality. These guys, they, you know, these guys are living in a different world. They're they view themselves as hockey players, and you know, you never know. They they could be at the end of a shift, not the time to fight because they're gassed and they don't want to go up against a guy who can handle himself while they're gassed. So. They may want to take him at a future time. He could be under orders from the coach not to fight because it can change momentum of the game. Maybe his team's doing all right, and if he gets in a fight, it could turn momentum against him, and his coach is going to ream his ass out for, uh, you know, disobeying orders to get in a fight. Like, you know, go out there. If, you, if something happens, you have to, all right, fight, but otherwise try not to get into one. So, you know, sometimes the enforcer kind of holds back. Or maybe maybe they're supporting an injury. Some, some of these guys – uh, go into games and they're hurting. Their knuckles could be all beaten up, but and stuff like that. And yeah, if I gotta go, I'll go. But you know, if I can get through a game or two until my hand heals up, uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll hold off on it. So there's there's a bunch of other reasons why a fighter might not fight a guy. But these guys are like uh, mind readers and think that it, it it comes down to fear that you know, oh, this guy doesn't want to fight the two. And my book, Probert, has. Uh, I uh, guess the benefit of the doubt because of all the guys he's fought over the career. So nothing against Nick Fatio. I think, uh, I don't know. I, it is an unusual thing. I got to admit for Probert to back off, but I don't think it was out of fear. That's just me. No, I don't know. If you have a guy with a track record like that, it was interesting the other day on Facebook. They had the guy with, well, uh, McSurley always duck twist. I'm like, really? You think Marty wasn't didn't want to fight Twist? Oh, I I was there. I saw Twist challenge him. Oh, of course you were there. Sure you did. You know, it's like I said. Well, how about maybe Twist didn't want to fight McSorley? Takes two to yeah. fight. Well, he, no, no, no. That's not yeah. real. No, that didn't happen. Okay, you know. Yeah. Meanwhile, you go and look, and you see the guy lived in St. Louis. Okay. Well, yeah. now I know. Well, it's funny. So some of these guys, there's there's, there's some inter things that you. Uh, we might not be aware of, not that Twist and uh, McSorley were friends, but in, in his book, uh, Dave Sabanko wrote how him and Fatio were kind of matched up during the Battle of Alberta. Now, they're, now as Sabanko put in his book, I guess they're friends. And uh, he goes, the whole arena thought me and Nick were going to fight. But, uh, and I guess Nick was telling him, stay, you know, don't go, he goes, don't get yourself in trouble. She, he's not going to fight you. Uh, you know, as Sabanko, because Sabanko wanted to get a hold of she, he, so, you know, Dave put in his book that, you know, all oh, the whole arena thinks me and Fatil are, are going to fight, but, we're, you know, they're, they're actually buddies. They know each other. 
they probably would go if they had to, but they, they weren't going to go there. There was uh, another thing, and the only reason I know this is because it was written in the Herald uh, during the 86-87 brawl between uh, Quebec and Boston. Jay Miller and Basil McCray get hooked up in, in the uh, the corner there. And it looks like they're wrestling and jostling around, and uh, Miller ends up landing, landing on top of McCray. Well, it came. Miller ended up like getting a game misconduct or something, and get, ended up getting suspended. But it was reported in the Herald. He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "We didn't do anything." He goes, "I skated up to, to him. I said, hey, we probably got so many. I, I don't uh, majors or something like that. Why don't we sit this one out?" So they wrestled. They went down, and I guess McCray, according to the newspaper article, said something to Miller about, "Hey, hey," so he could get a better better look at the brawl. But they had like some sort of mutual agreement. To cancel each other out and make it look like they were uh, they were doing whatever, and they just stood out. But I, I guess they didn't uh, think they were going to get the uh, the misconduct out of it, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's always, you know, there's always reasons that we'll never know. And uh, but like you said, the the diehard fight fans, we you know, they like to people. Some people like to create the create their version of reality anyway, or whatever. Yeah. But you know, but it's always a fun. Uh, it was always a fun debate and, and, uh, you know, to, uh, to go around and around. And, uh, you know, I know I spent a lot of time on fried chicken back in the day and, and even now with this podcast and, and everything else. And it's, and it's been fun, uh, you know, getting, getting yourself and guys, you know, other fight fans on here and, you know, learning about where they came from and their, you know, their, their, uh, favorites were and how you got into the hobby and everything else. And, uh, I really enjoyed this. I, 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 can't thank you enough for taking the time out. I know you're a busy dude, and I know we've been talking about doing this show for a while. Hopefully, this isn't. Hopefully, this isn't the last time you come on. I'd like to have you on for some other stuff, but uh, I want to thank you today for uh, for coming on the show, Ron. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it, Darren. I mean, it's it's good to be part of episode two ninety one. Uh, you know, that was the call get off before two ninety one. Yeah, and uh, so so we, we've accomplished that. No, I had fun. It was it was a good time. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, happy to be on again, and uh, you know it, it, it seemed to go uh, pretty good here. No, no, no shortage. We could probably go another three hours. No shortage of stuff to talk about. You know. Oh, uh, there's there's a million things I want to ask you, and uh, you know, and away from the just the collecting hobby, but just you know, uh, just fighting in general. Have an old fight message board debate. I will. Uh, I want. I want to definitely get you back on for that, and. Uh, but uh, I've, I've taken up enough of your time. I'm going to let you go. But uh, once again, Ron, thank you very much for coming on and being part of the show. Well, thank you, Darren. You have a great evening. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 